Philip, I don't know if I mentioned how much I enjoy your show. Thank you so much for the lovely things you said about mine. I think by the time we close out the episode, I just had no more words to give. Anyway, love your show. I love the Fury episode in particular, and of course, every episode featuring Eric from Cinema Force. Cut! And that's the beginning of Paradise Alley. You know, there's all kinds of scenes that I respond to in movies. I respond to music sequences. Uh, I respond to big comedy sequences. It was like uh, they galvanized the, the entire theater. Everybody uh, woke up. Everybody got connected. And, you know, and I would go see a, a, a film that had a, a sequence like that. I would see it two or three times at the theaters just to see that sequence. And then just to have that experience uh, uh, with an audience. Welcome to Making Tarantino, the podcast. I'm your host, Philip Duke. On this podcast, we uh, discuss films that Quentin Tarantino likes or recommends. And uh, I just like watching these movies. So, And before I had taken this off of explaining what the podcast was, and then me and Rob were talking about it, and he's like, it's always someone's first time. And I said, that's what I was thinking. So I'm putting that back in of this is what the podcast is. But it's not really to see if it influences work. It's more to be in his mindset of watching these movies. And uh, there will be spoilers, uh, possibly for any movie, because we've seen a lot of movies. Today, I'm joined by Craig McNeil from Craig and Friends podcast. He puts the glam and glamorous and the fab and fabulous. I just thought of that. And <laughs> I like uh, welcome, that. It's very good. Welcome, thank Craig. you. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, uh, I, uh, you on your podcast, everybody listen to Craig and Friends podcast is you have these great intros. And I was like, I need to write an introduction for him that blows everything away. And I couldn't think of one. That's all I could think of. Hey, that's okay. Listen, on the Paul Williams episode, he messaged mm -hmm. me and said, hey, uh, I'm in the area early. Is it okay if I come over early? <laughs> I hadn't finished setting up. And yeah. I didn't have the intro for him, but I just went, you know what? That's the way this is supposed to play out today. And then the thing just starts with them talking about louder milk and all that. Yeah, yeah. But uh and the next time I will. So some, some, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But as Phil said, they are fantastic. Do you prefer Phil or Philip, by the way? I never asked. Um, it's funny because people ask me. So in school one time, the persons, um, we're sitting in school. They're getting ready to ask the questions. They go, okay, the answer is uh, Bill. And I thought they said Phil. And I said, but, and they go, no, we said Bill. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. So, yeah, it's if there's a bill in the room, then call me Philip. But Philip is fine. Gotcha. That's what I'm, yeah. I'm usually known. It was funny being that I'm Philip Duke Jr. Philip Duke the second. God, I hate Jr. I'm Philip Duke the second. And my dad is Philip Duke. So whenever people would call, they would be like, you know, is it, hey, Phil, because I had maybe a little deeper voice. Hey, Phil. And I was like, no, no, this is his son. You know, I'm glad some girl. They yeah. go, oh, you railed me so good last night. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> son. You'd be like, Dad, who's this person? <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, my God. My dad's got no boundaries. I remember one day he was like, I went to a <laughs> swingers club once and there's a girl in a in a sex chair. And this guy's her her boyfriend's having sex with her from behind and i'm thinking should i take my pants down and go in the front should i do something <laughs> and i go first of all it's it's bad that i know that you're telling me this story second of all that those are the thoughts that would go through my head should i what if she doesn't what if i'm caught with my pants down literally like you know yeah. she's like get that out of my face 
So, yeah, it was like, Dad, we need to have boundaries. He's like, but you're my friend. I'm like, no, I'm your son. And then friend, like, you know, we're friendly oh, yeah, and we yeah. have a good relationship, but, yeah. uh, you know, some stuff is friend, friend yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's funny. You should mention dads with maybe some, uh, faulty boundaries and maybe yeah. some, uh, less than savory practices. Not that your father would fall into that category, right? But the star and writer and director of the film mm -hmm. that we're talking about, which is of course paradise alley. Exactly. Uh, Sylvester Stallone had some interesting feelings about his father. It very much so on this documentary. I don't know if you had something to say, but on the documentary he talks about, he's talking about how he kept making these things to be better. And then he and then like he's doing this polo match once for real, you know, for a charity event. And he thinks his dad will like it because his dad's a polo player. Dad's into polo. And all his dad did was bitch about him about how he didn't do it right or was wrong. And Frank on there, Frank Stallone talks about how, I don't know, you know, his dad was very abusive, beat him and Frank. And he just, it's that thing of wanting to make your father happy. And I realized that for me, my thing was we bought this house in 2020 and I said, dad, I want you to come and see the house. And I'm showing him around the house and I'm very proud of it. And I'm thinking we're going to hang out and watch a movie. And I go, let me show you this Lauren Hardy, the music box. And I go to put that on. And he's starting to get tired because he'd been up all day. He he wasn't doing drugs at this time. This was just from drinking, but he was getting tired and it was nighttime and I had woke up at like 5 p.m. So I'm up and rare. And he's like, he's like, oh, well, just keep playing. I'm going to lay down here on the couch. And I go, no, because then you're going to be like, can I just stay here for all while I'm in? <laughs> so I was like, no. So then he woke up and we're watching a little bit. And then he goes, he goes, oh, what time is it? I go, it's 120. Oh, do you think we can make it to the bar for last call to go? I want to get a drink. And I'm like, oh, he's not here. He's focused on that. I'm focused on yeah. him. My dad and I are watching, you know, the most dangerous game and he's ready to go to the bar and drink. It's that thing that you have to get to that. It's sad that Stallone didn't even, I think when his dad died, there was no, there's no thing, you know, you, he didn't have closure. And it's interesting on that doc, everybody watched Sly on Netflix because he talks about how he's chasing fame and realizes how much time he was away from home and that people are like, do this, do that. So he's doing these things when this movie, Paradise Alley, Rocky, like those are his passion projects. And what was know. he doing, by the way? What was the stuff? I mean, outside a party at Kitty and Stud's house, uh, because he was really scraping by. He was yeah. broke. Yeah. Around the time of him writing this. Yeah, it that was where. Well, and then I didn't know that he wrote this first. I've spent maybe five, six years cultivating this idea. And I'll tell you right now, quite bluntly, it is a glorious effect to actually see it coming to life. When I wrote this a while back, I never had any intention in acting in it and really in directing it. I just wanted to sell a screenplay. But as fate would have it, I've been put in a position where I'm now, I guess, captain of my own destiny or something, so I can either sink or swim with it. There's a monkey here! Which I mm -hmm. was going to get into, but whatever. Um, but he wrote this. Then he wrote Rocky. So he was right. He was working on this as a novel and then uh, told somebody like, oh, I also got this other the other thing or I'm a writer. And then he went and wrote Rocky and he lived. He was in L.A. at Balboa was the name of the road. So he put, you know, Rocky Balboa 
and then uh but it's it's an interesting story rags to riches where he's in lords of flatbush he's doing these shitty movies with alvidson i think the guy from rock the guy that directed rocky yeah and then he comes to la i thought he came by himself but i guess he came with his wife from what i said in quentin's book sasha his wife and his dog and um and then he his car breaks down it's a weird story that you hear that like their car breaks down right inside la and his yeah. car breaks down in la and he calls henry winkler because they were in lords of flashbush together henry winkler right. picks him up takes him to a hotel and he stays there and then ended up getting some shitty place but ends up writing and what quentin said about his writing and it is it's very rhythmic and he knows how to write for himself and he knows you know because he had that thing where he's born with the umbilical cord around his neck and that's why he's got the the droopy lip and but it's it's an amazing thing there's a part in this movie that got me choked up that we'll get to when in paradise alley yeah 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 um it's amazing i i didn't even see it coming i'll tell you now but, but it was the part where he Boy, like, actually before you before you okay, do i want to say okay to yeah. that about him writing it before rocky not only did he write it before rocky but mm -hmm. it was optioned by a, a sleazy guy he never mm -hmm. specifies who it is but um he to quote him actually i'll read it from the thing because i just pulled it up i know i told you i don't write notes sometimes i do no, no, just it's, reminders it's good and, and I, I i can skip that part on my notes yes yeah Go good 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 yes. uh he said i was this is sly i was very broke and i optioned the screenplay of paradise alley to a real how should i say this maggot who put his hooks in so deep i could never get it away from him so the first time i went in to meet chartoff and winkler i was there on acting on an acting job i didn't get it but on the way out i said i have this screenplay called paradise alley they said to bring it over i did they wanted to make it but the other cretin that i had optioned it was so uh, optioned it to was so obnoxious so overbearing that the producers wanted nothing to do with me or the screenplay so that's when on the way out they said if you have any ideas we'd be happy to look at them and so that night i went home even a fire extinguisher couldn't cool the burning in my brain the door of opportunity was wide open and i had nothing to carry over its threshold that's when i started to write rocky so thank god for that maggot otherwise i never would have written <laughs> the story of mr balboa yeah so. it's it's crazy that it's that thing i had that once i was talking about a short film that i wanted to make and i was showing my buddy the movie marnie alfred hitchcock's marnie and there's a part where she steals money from the safe and it's done really well like hitchcock does and i'm like look i want something like this and then i show him torn curtain and i'm like there's this murder in this old lady's house and she helps kill the guy and alfred hitchcock wanted to show it's hard to kill somebody and i was like i want to do something like that he goes well then write it i'm like oh my god and i went home and i wrote this whole short thing about you know really hitchcockian but it's it's amazing that this is his his passion project you could feel it and i don't want to get into it yet but i have a tarantino talks but before that i did want to say something else but before this i want to say first of all the part that i got choked up at was when he's looking at vic and he goes we're not the house we're not houseboat people you know, guys like us don't live on houseboats. And uh, and for some reason, I was like, oh, my God, like it's that thing of it is interesting. Tarant or, uh, yeah, Tarantino talks about how it does do this flip without any slowly building like Amanda Sante is not slowly going this way and slow. It's just all of a sudden flipped the other way. Yeah. You know, at yeah, the they end, switch personalities. Like, yeah. And you're like, what? but I love that. 
but uh, for Tarantino talks from cinema speculation, he said, this film is Stallone's vision and aesthetic, unfiltered, undiluted and delivered full bore in your face. Tarantino says it would be amazing to see Stallone direct another movie with the passion he had when he made Paradise Alley. It would be amazing to see Stallone love something again the way he loved Paradise Alley. That's the thing you and I off mic were talking about Francis Ford Coppola. Coppola said, like, I want to see George Lucas come back and make like a small movie, like the conversation, like something that like Coppola did the conversation. He's like, I want to see him do something small or even like an American graffiti, like something like that. But I don't think he will. I think George Lucas is like, I'm good unless he gets a wild hair up his ass. But something that I want he doesn't say, want to direct anymore after having the horrible experience he had on Star which, Wars, which is so sad when you hear about the guy that played Jar Jar Binks was going to kill himself because of all the hatred, you know? Oh, wow. And it's like, oh, my God. And that's what was good in the new um, the new Mandalorian, where they actually had him playing a Jedi. So he didn't have the oh, cool. He wasn't Jar Jar Binks. He was, you know, in his regular character of a, reg- a black guy in as a Jedi. And he kicked ass saving Grogu. It was awesome. And that was his comeuppance. Like, okay, now we made it right. Now, you know, the fans now have come around and now they like you. I love those redemption arcs. Kind of like it reminds me of Jackie Earl Haley, who was in My Bodyguard and a bunch of other stuff and Bad News Bears. And he was very distinctive as like that kind of uh, towny bully. Yeah. And then he was out of the business, basically. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. I think he was a janitor or something like that. And mm-hmm. then he, I don't know what route it was, but then he ended up being the Freddy Krueger in the new version, Which, the remake, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Go what's ahead. interesting that ties those together is, is uh, him and Johnny Depp were friends at that time in 84. Johnny Depp goes to do the audition for the original Nightmare on Elm Street, gets the job. And then Jackie or Haley, like you said, was either still doing the, I forget when the the third Bad News Bears was, but then like went away. And then all of a sudden you see him little children. Everybody's like, oh, I still haven't seen that, but I hear what he is. And then uh, the new Freddy Krueger and then the Watchmen and all that Watchmen. Yeah. Before. Then you're like, oh, my God, I love this guy. It's like the guy in here, but I want to get to something. But Stitch in here, I'm like, this guy's face. I fucking love his face. The guy that plays Stitch. Um, Kevin Conway, who I immediately recognized, and I did not do as thorough research as uh, maybe I would have in other circumstances, because I thought, oh, well, I bet you looked him up. We can look him up on IMDb, I, but that guy is very familiar. I did, but I for, but I couldn't find exactly who he was, but you know that you've seen him. It's like the guy that plays big. Uh, but first of all, I want to say, so I talked about on the last week's show how I met you, how I walked by. And I was like, oh, there's Craig. OK, I don't want to interrupt because the movie I'm already walked in front of him and he's already pissed because Colleen and I walked in front of the screen. And um, so oh, I, well, what? I wasn't pissed. I didn't. No, no, then, no, 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 no. No, I know. No, I, no, no. I'm not. I'm not that militaristic right. about it. I, I, I just I, I so we'll preface this with we were uh, we met at a screening of To Live and Die in L.A., which is my yes. favorite movie. Yes. We're doing a movie club on it soon with Gala Avery. And I've so seen excited. it just a shocking amount of times. And thankfully, in the last two years, many of those times in the theater. Yeah. Uh, one of which was a screening I put on at Prince Charles Cinema with Wang Chung doing a Q&A with me. 
the first theatrical experience I had with the film, though, was a nightmare and at my favorite cinema. So it was even more disturbing. Uh. It was shortly after the pandemic was, uh, we, or rather, we were opening up mm. and they played it at 2 p.m. as a matinee. I had missed the previous screening of it, 2016, 2017, where it played paired with Rampage. So I was doubly pissed wow. that I missed Rampage <laughs> yeah, finally yeah. coming out on Blu-ray. But yeah. uh, I not went to the, see it. Not the rock Rampage, another Rampage. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is a Rampage, uh, the freaking right. movie that barely got released because Dino wow. De Laurentiis went bankrupt. And it, it kind of torpedoed Friedkin's career because it was the one after to, to live and die in la yeah, which yeah. kind of wow. um cleaned the windshield of his career after deal of the century yeah uh, and cruising being controversial it's a brilliant film but anyway yeah uh the crowd that was at new beverly that afternoon was determined to laugh at anything oh. and even when he said amigo at the beginning they were like ah ha, ha. Yeah. and i went oh no and it never stopped they yeah. never stopped. I'm not going to say the stuff that like there's certain moments that are objectively not funny. Wrong, yeah. They're laughing their heads off. And yeah. I understand sometimes people laugh as a tension release, but no, this was the whole thing. They decided yeah. this crowd yeah. that they were going to see Lethal Weapon. And the thing about obnoxious mm -hmm. laughers or obnoxious talkers is if they're let if they're let to run wild. Yeah. They infect the rest of the crowd because it, there's a mm -hmm. crowd mentality. Yeah. So then people are looking for things to laugh at. The guy I went with even started laughing delayed at the strip club scene. And I thought, what, yeah. what the hell's funny about this? Yeah. So, and I was pissed. But so anyway, then I got to see it in the last two years because it's been having a moment. And yeah. that leads us to when we got to meet. So no, I, did, I didn't see you and Colleen walk in front of the screen. I, did, it, I didn't notice it, that. Well, what was interesting was, first of all, that when I went the day before, I was really worried about saying anything. I didn't want people to be like, you know, Colleen was telling me jokes during Cat's Eye. And I was like, oh my God, what, or Eye of the Cat. I was like, what if somebody's like, shut up, and now I'm that guy, you know? And but it would but I understand and she was upset that she couldn't talk back to the screen. But like you said, that's why, because then everybody will be like, oh, that was a good singer. Let me get a better one. But like Rob and her were both like we had so many jokes piled up in our head that we wanted to say and we couldn't. And um, so I meet you and I don't know if you remember that. Here's what was nice about you, but uncomfortable for me and the guy, I think not. So I meet you, you stand up, you go, oh, Philip, we hug. There's a guy there talking to you, a friend of yours, and you're like, oh, this is Philip. He does a podcast called Making Tarantino, and it's about films that influence it. I can see the guy's eyes rolling in his head. I can see him doing calculations in his head of like, do I have to pick a milk today? Do I? And I'm thinking, oh, my God, like this guy's like totally not even caring. Like He's just like, I got to go. But um, it was just funny where, you know, that that happens sometimes. The thing is. It, yeah, it's no, no, true. I can't even. I can't remember which one of the two guys that it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to identify him anyway. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, was, that, that was, was funny. Just, that was odd to me. Funny. I I appreciated it, but it was funny where I'm I'm looking at this guy going, "Is he even a podcast listener? Does he like movies as much?" Like you know, those are the things where you can tell when I'm like, when my wife comes in, totally different. But the other day, I'm like, "Oh, honey, I'm watching this thing on the real story of Custer's Last Stand." And she's like, what? Like, turn that off. Let's watch more murder shows. And I'm like, OK, because she's totally not into it. Like her eyes will glaze over and she'll be like, no. 
Um, but it just struck me as funny. I wasn't really hurt. Well, no, it struck me as funny thinking, too. And I, I just yeah. remember going like, well, you're missing out, pal. So whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's the other thing when her family will ask me like, oh, what do you, I do a podcast. Oh, what's it about? And I tell them and they're like, okay. It was like being nice to ask me what it, and then not really caring or knowing movies. Same thing. My dad will be like, what, what do you do again? I go, it's a Tarantino podcast. These 350 Quentin Tarantino's directed 350 movies. No dad. And now the number I've grown the number now it's 515. So now it'll take like 10 years before it was six years. Well, that's 10. good though. You don't have to worry yeah. about, Oh my God, are we running into the end of the pile? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but that, that's funny though with that stuff. There's, there's a gauge I have. I go, well, you know, I talk about, and I'll, I'll, if there's a certain age, I'll say one or two people mm -hmm. in specific. If someone's giving me an attitude, mm -hmm. like they're big time in me, yeah, yeah. I just drop a couple names just to yeah, be, yeah. just yeah. to give it back to them. Cause I don't do that, you know, but, yeah. uh, um, and then it, people who are genuinely interested, I tell them the scope of the thing. Well, especially for you, if they're like, oh, you do a podcast, what? And you're like, well, I had Paul Williams. And they're like, who's Paul Williams? And you name, <laughs> you know, Phantom of the Paradise. And they're like, and you can tell like they don't know. But then you go the little guy from Smoking the Bandit and they go, oh, my God, that guy like, holy shit. And you're like, he wrote this. But then you're like, also, have you seen Suspiria? And they're like, yeah. And you're like, I had her in it like the original. And they're like, oh, my God. Um, yeah. So uh it's so and then there's the, other, there's the other kind of attitude with the big time and it's like oh you know it's just another podcast but you know yeah. that's yeah. the funny thing about it yeah some, what yeah, that some, tells me is oh i shouldn't waste my time talking to this person i was gonna say some of it is yeah you you go i'm not even gonna i could throw out name i could name drop and you'd be like oh you dropped this but i'm not gonna well because also there's a there's a, sort of two uh there's a fork in the road with that big time and thing it, it, that happened to me recently. Someone has a podcast and they were like, Oh, and then I, I dropped a big comedian's name that was on. Mm -hmm. And then they were like, Oh, and then they gave me their card. And it was funny. It's like, what do you <laughs> think I think of you now? Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. And then the other thing is if you're like, if you say too much, it's like you're jumping up, dancing for their approval and then they'll withhold it. So yeah. I, it's, you know, fuck them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's interesting. I was going to say something about there's there's celebrities, though, who won't know who it's like I was listening to. It's totally off thing. Maybe. Anyway, um, Conan O'Brien's mother. No, it's David Spade's mother. And they're at uh, Adam Adam's uh, daughter's bat mitzvah. And Adam. Uh, now I can't think of his name. The comedian. Carola? No, the uh, comedian guy from. Uh, ah. The guy from Adam uh, the comedian. Adam from Saturday Night Live. Is it Adam? Adam Sandler. Sandler, thank you. <laughs> the Jonah Blank. Um, so David's he's not well mom, known, that's he, why. Yeah, yeah. He's a little guy. <laughs> um when he, he's hitting it big soon. Um so I think so. David Spade's mom is there and she's like, and across the table from them at the bot mitzvah from her and Conan is Dustin Hoffman. And she's like Oh my God, I want to go talk to Dustin Hoffman. And I want to tell him that my second favorite movie of all time, that he's in the second favorite movie of all time of mine. And Conan's like, no, don't say my second favorite. Just say one of my favorites. And she's like, yeah, but it's my second favorite. My first is nine to five. My second is, and he's like, no, no, just don't. He doesn't need to hear that. Just say, I'm a big fan of yours. 
And so he said, then David Spade's even like, mom, just say just your favorite. She goes over to say to him and and Conan said, I'm watching her and I can see her. She's making motions like my first is that my second. And he's like, and Dustin Hoffman's just like, OK. And and so it's like, OK, like he doesn't even know who she is. That it's David Spade's mom probably doesn't care. But also another story kind of tangential to that is Conan's having a party. Jim Carrey shows up and this is after Jim Carrey, the height of Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey's over there. Conan's mom is talking to him over in the corner and she comes back over to Conan. And she goes, there's the nicest guy over there. I was talking to him. He's a comedian and he's trying to make it. I told him, you know what? Just keep persevering. My son, he kept going and going and he wrote for the Simpsons and Saturday Night Live. And now he does a talk show. And he's like, uh, mom, you were talking to Jim Carrey. And she's like, yeah. He's like, he's like, okay, when you go to work on Monday, tell all the workers in your law firm that you spoke to Jim Carrey and told him that hopefully he'll make it if he keeps going. And then she calls him back and he can hear everybody in the office laughing behind her. And she's going, why didn't you tell me? He's like, yeah. One last thing on that, on that, uh, on that yeah. subject. My mom said, oh, I told uh, your nieces that you were having Paul Williams on. They didn't know who that was. <laughs> and I said, mom, why would they? Yeah. Why would yeah. they? Like, yeah. don't, don't yeah. I don't need to hear that. Unless like, they were wait. old enough to see Baby Driver, maybe. But yeah. And also, by the way, they do know who he is. They just yeah. don't know they know who he is because yeah, yeah, they've seen yeah. the Muppet movie a hundred times. So, yeah, like, yeah. you know, yeah. please. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And then, but thank you, Miss Demographic. I yeah, appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but anyway. Yeah. Why am the, I not having you do my marketing? Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's like moms, they just know so much uh the uh, she's very lovely and supportive i just you know it's funny yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah, the yeah. parents will say the darndest things oh yeah yeah we speaking of parents who say the darndest things i have to mention that on the topic of sylvester stallone senior i believe that's his yeah his, or is it frank senior i, frank I can't senior. remember frank senior frank senior yeah. that's it frank senior can be heard <clears throat> on at least one episode of howard stern where jackie stallone was in because for a long time, Jackie Stallone and Frank Stallone would be on the Stern Show quite a bit. This was probably in the early I, '90s. I heard Jackie you on can, there. I never heard him. Yeah. Oh, Frank was on it a, a lot. Oh, he no. even had a big uh, boxing thing called the Scrapple and the Apple, where Geraldo <laughs> Rivera boxed Frank Stallone because they had some kind of beef. Uh, oh yeah, I remember. And you can that. find yeah. video of this sometimes on YouTube. It was on his yeah. Channel Nine show. It was yeah. a whole thing. Frank used to come on all the time. I'm I'm lightly fascinated with Frank. The yeah. only problem with that is that Frank is so crazy right wing mm -hmm. that I had to I had to um, mute him on Facebook. I was thinking you meant Frank the father. You meant Frank the son, right? No, I, I, Frank the father is only of interest in that he calls in once and Jackie oh. lays into him. Oh. It, it's worth <laughs> listening to. Yeah, it's yeah. you didn't treat the boys like that. You know, it was. It's pretty, was, pretty gnarly, but pretty great. And Jackie was an astrology uh, buff, big I, into reincarnation. I remember her and I think Jade, Drew Barrymore's mom, would call in, and she was kind of out Yes. There. Yeah. Yes, that's um, right. Something that I like uh, Frank Stallone in, uh, in uh, Hudson Hawk. When uh, I've never seen that all the way through. Bruce Willis says, like, if you weren't the biggest crime family in the world, I'd say kiss my ass. But being as you are, I say slurp my butt. And it's something just stupid, but I just, he gives him this look and he hits him over the head with a bottle. Um, I need to see that again. I saw the first 45 minutes. I love Sandra Bernhard. Mm -hmm. uh, the, I, 
make a joke about well i know how long something takes by the a song and i explained that to someone because yeah. he sings uh whatever to, yeah yeah to time his robberies it's like, and yeah times everything. yeah it's like i'm like this is peak 80s bullshit yeah. action star writing stuff yeah but uh it's a fascination for it being such a flop yeah. But also that everyone is eating Butterfinger and Baby Ruth, and it's just very yeah, it's, product yeah, placement. It, which it's true, and you don't think about it. something that I never thought about. I know we're going on a tangent, but I'll get to the uh, plot here in a minute. The, the this is actually the plot of the film. It's about it's about candy bars. Product placement. I didn't realize until recently. Like, and I said it on one of our previous episodes. You're watching Seinfeld, and he's talking about the Pez dispenser, and you're like. Pez is paying for this, for them to write a show around Pez. Same thing I'm watching King of Queens. And he talks about, did you get my Cool Ranch Doritos? And he pulls it out and he's like, and I'm like, oh, it's Cool Ranch Doritos. It's like here, you know. That's even, I if I had to pick which one was which, I would guess that the uh, King of Queens one, because it's too modern day, like Pez. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like that, yeah. maybe they did, but I, and I'm not. It uh, is well. I wrong, know. But... Well, also, uh, Seinfeld's working on a whole thing about Pez because he loved the Pez dispenser. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah he's obsessed with working that kind on of a documentary or something. Um, yeah, but the, here's the most grievous example. One of yeah. them, a product placement in a film. The Mountain Sylvester Dew Stallone's transforming Cobra. in Transformers. No, Which one? Cobra with the big Transformers in Transformers, the first movie the little spark hits a Mountain Dew machine and it transforms into a little robot. But wow. yes, Cobra with the big giant, like who lives in an apartment inside the apartment, giant Pepsi sign behind him. Yeah. It's unreal. And then in the supermarket scene that opens the film. Yeah. Cor at one point. The Coors. <laughs> yeah. There's, it's a Coors and Pepsi cross promotion. Like it's, Wild and one of the best commentaries I've ever heard was for uh, Cannonball Run, which is Hal Needham just talking about how proud he is. He's like, see, we started product placement. See here, we're at the Seven Eleven. See here, yeah. The, I, I the recommend everyone listen to this. Yeah, yeah, it's like the opposite of any filmmaker's commentary. Yeah. He's just so thrilled talking about this. Oh, we had a bar on the set. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, what's what's great about uh, Cannonball Run? is that they use the ambulance that he used in the race that he raced like a year or two before. And he was like, here's how we would get away from the cops. And we would, they did that whole thing in there where he's like, I'm taking this person and the cops fell for it. And he's like, totally worked. Wow. Like, oh my gosh. Now another uh, tie to Sylvester Stallone. Yes. There was a film called Cannonball from the Roger Corman uh, yes, New World uh, Pictures David, organization. Uh, Carradine. Yes, well, that's yeah. uh, is or, he in Cannonball? That, he, so he's in Cannonball one. and Death Race Two Thousand. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. he's he's probably he, probably in both. But Paul yeah, Bartel directed. Yeah, he plays Frankenstein in Death Race, and then Cannonball. I remember I'm watching Cannonball. It's on our list, by the way. But Cannonball. Oh, cool. He 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 gets a flat tire in his Corvette, and he backs up onto, you know, the the side rails on a road, you know, that are made of silk of steel. And it's yeah. kind of slanted at the end. And he drives up it to then change his tire without a jack because he didn't have a jack. I'm like, oh, my God, it's genius. That's but pretty yes, good. There's a lot of I'm, cool car 
gags in those movies. Yeah. But Cannonball also has a cameo from Sylvester Stallone in oh, a scene cool. where him and Martin Scorsese are sitting with, I believe, Paul Bartel, who directed the film. Wow. Uh, and they're eating Kentucky Fried Chicken. And it's a very funny scene. <laughs> and, of course, so Stallone is in Death Race 2000. Yeah, and and in uh, yeah. Woody Allen's... Um, one of his early ones, I can't remember, but he he gets oh, yeah. uh, bananas. York, He's in bananas. bananas. Yeah, and then um, yeah. did you? Did you, I'm sure you saw his hard R porn. It's not really porn, but he's like naked in the party shower. Party of Kitty and Studs. Girl. I've never oh, seen yeah, it. Yeah, I've yeah, only yeah. heard about it. I, actually, it's I have fun. a copy of it, but that's I have a thousand things that I have a copy of that I've. My not dad seen, had but... a video that he got of all these celebrities, and one was Chuck Connors in a gay movie. And it looks like Chuck Connors, but I'm like, I don't think it's Chuck Connors. But my dad's like, I don't like Chuck Connors anymore. He's gay. What the hell? And I'm like, Dad, I don't even think it's him. Barely. No, it looks like him. I think it's him. I'm like, okay, whatever. Meanwhile, your dad's the one who got it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're the one that bought it. Dad. And it's funny because he was probably like nude celebrities and they're all males probably in there. He's like, wait a minute. What the hell? I'm seeing Stallone's dick. Wait a minute. Yeah, one guy known for nudity, uh, who's also in a film that Quentin loves, it goes on record about how um, uh, important it is to him, and has a poster of it in the New Beverly, Breathless. Uh, the lead actor in that has been nude a couple times, uh, and uh, not hard. He was uh, nude in Breathless in the shower. He's nude in a couple other things, and he is someone who got booted from Lords of Flatbush because he did not get along with Stallone. I Apparently was eating yeah. a sandwich and spilled it, it all over Stallone. And so yeah. Stallone got him fired. I don't know who he might've been replaced by Winkler. I'm not quite sure. It's, I think it might've, I, I was thinking it was Joe Perry, not Joe Perry, Perry King. That'd be great. If Joe Perry from, um, I know was on there, right? I'd buy yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. He, he, um, he got the right accent. Yeah. It's the, uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, Pentaliano. Um, yeah. <laughs> the um uh it was the thing also that when they released lords of flatbush in italy it was after happy days hit it big so they made that uh, that quentin talks about in the book that they made it like a uh prequel like fonzie's coming like fonzie becoming fonzie story oh that's, that's great hilarious. oh so um, after you tell the plot i have a yes. i have an interesting uh thought well i'm telling i'm saying i have an interesting thought that's not self-aggrandizing yes, yes. at all yeah. i have something <laughs> yeah. that occurred to me while i was watching this in the first 10 minutes that i really because of the richard yeah. gear thing so it's, please it's interesting because i had uh, thoughts on this so anyway paradise alley 1978 the tagline the corboni boys they haul ice lay out stiffs and dance with monkeys so 1978 <laughs> The plot, three Italian-American brothers living in the slums of 1940s New York City try to help each other with one's wrestling career using one's brother's promotional skills and another brother's con artist tactics to thwart a sleazy manager. Starring Sylvester Stallone as Cosmo Carboni. So this was going to originally be Henry Winkler. It was going to be an ABC TV movie. And they were going to have Henry Winkler was going to be Cosmo and then Stallone was going to be, you know, Vic, Victor. Oh, that's right. And God, that would have um, been so interesting. And because we, I'm trying to th I'm think, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to, this led me to something else that I thought about. Lee Canalito as Victor Carboni. I love this guy, but also this made me think like the Safety brothers could remake this with his brother looks just yeah. like, like when you watch Good Times, you're like, oh my God, this is the guy. Like that's, you yeah. Know, 
and even he was in Oppenheimer. I think he now stopped direct. I think he went off to now do acting and left his brother to maybe do directing alone. Yeah. Which yeah, is weird. Ways. Which is weird because also that happened with the Coens. Like, I mean, I think they're going to come back and make a movie, but the Coens did uh, Macbeth, you know, Joel or Ethan. Yeah, Joel. And then he, whatever, Ethan or Joel. And then the other one just did this uh, driveway dolls. And so you're like, mm. oh, it's weird that after all these years, now they go their separate ways. But and right. Lee Canalito was a boxer who had never acted before, which sometimes you can tell. Yeah. Um, but he was the right physical type. And actually, his lack of emoting kind of works, I think, in this. Yeah. And I think keep running, if we keep running down the cast, it's a really interesting uh, array of people. Armand DeSante, who Quentin says he's like the he's like the B grade someone else in the yeah, book. Al, wish, Al Pacino. Yeah, yes. he's the B grade Al Pacino. <laughs> which he's like, he's like, he built a career on that. Like he went on. The thing with this is you watch Armand DeSante in this, you watch him in an interview with a vampire, and you're like, oh my God, I think he is a vampire because he hasn't changed. He looks the exact same. Um, but he's always good. Frank McRae as Big Glory. That's a guy I was thinking of. John Millius regular from Dillinger and Farewell to the King. And was also in License to Kill. He was like one of the, when they were having the wedding in the beginning. And he's one of the okay. people that when they're in the helicopter to catch, uh, what's his face? Um, and was also in uh, Last Action Hero. He was like the, the he was the, like, like Starsky and Hutch Yes, guy, that's, like, I was trying to remember like where I yeah. knew him from. And we were talking about late 80s flops like Hudson Hawk. Yeah. Last Action Hero is a fucking great movie. It's a yeah. great movie. Yeah. Unreservedly fantastic. Yeah. It's yeah. And Shane Black and the other guy, I want to say not Max Brooks, but Max something. Zach. Anyway, he wrote it. You know, it and because and, that movie you know, bombed, that's why we didn't get the Hans and Franz movie. Yeah. Although when Arnold was on Conan on the Conan podcast, he said, I heard you guys reading the script, like all the like Smigel and all them were reading the script that they wrote. Yeah. And he goes, I like it. I think it's funny. And it's like, oh, my God, come on, Arnold, like either do that or do an animated like it would be great. You know, it would be fantastic. Yeah, he was it, on Fly on the Wall, the Dana Carvey, David Spade podcast uh -huh. where they talked to fellow SNL alum. Yeah. And then they had Schwarzenegger on. And it was great because it was different than the usual interview that he does. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're great anyway, but sometimes people yeah. just do the stock shit with him. Yeah. Yeah. But they talked about all of that stuff and his sense of humor and how he really liked the script. And they talked about some of the scenes, but on the back of having the flop of this sort of comedy, he yeah. said no and had to go hard action. Yeah, it's yeah, it's bad because he is good in it. Um, Ann Archer is Annie. And um, she's from, of course, the the uh, Jack Ryan movies with uh, yep. very uh, famously known, a very famous Scientologist just to throw. Oh, really? In oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe I don't like her as much. Well, she's still pretty. I'll give it to her. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Conway is Stitch, which we didn't look up. I didn't look up what he I saw what he was in. But I know that I've seen him in something, but I really like him in this. He's great. And he's got these weird teeth and something that's funny because we're going to jump all around when I get to it. But something yeah. that's funny when he gives that other guy, when he gives Terry Funk those weird teeth and Terry Funk puts yeah. them in and he's like, oh, and then he asked him, like, do I look do I look older? And he goes, no, it's probably the mirror is just a dirty mirror. And you're like, oh, that's a good right hand man there. And he's like, yeah. do I look taller? And he's like, 
He's like, no. And then he's kind of crestfallen when he's like, oh, I don't look any taller. But also that leads you when the reveal comes later, when he's being, you go, oh, is this some kind of thing where he's wanting to feel sexy because he's wearing women's panties and garter belts? Like, what's going on here? You know? Well, he is obsessed with his appearance. So every time we see Stitch, he's looking in the mirror, he's looking at his teeth. Yeah. He's always dressed to the nines. And yeah, mm -hmm. I, the reveal at the end that he's wearing women's underwear and uh, stockings, I actually kind of was like, wait. Like yeah. this is kind of yeah. Goofy. I was like, like, that's out of the blue. Yeah, it's there's a lot of out of the blue shit. In well, this movie. And, oh, same thing with so you see that, but also when he was choking that girl. Now you're like, remember that girl laughed at him and he choked her for a second, and you're like, oh yeah, what is going yeah. on here? Like before that, like it's weird. But well, and, go and, ahead, and we'll keep going through the cast. But the tone yeah. in this movie, it's it's mm -hmm. it's all over the map. It just it yeah. keeps going here, there, and yeah. everywhere. I like that to a degree, but in this, I was like, what, what the fuck is going on? Like at many times I was like, where, what is the, what is the, this is his passion yeah. project. So, yeah. you know, I it's, got a few thoughts about it, but in terms of the, I don't mean to derail from the cast. No, it's Kevin Conway. It's interesting. Oh, sorry. It's interesting because I will get to it when we get to it, but I felt kind of at first, I'm like, what is this? Like, oh my God. And then I was like, okay, now I'm grooving it. I'm getting in it. And maybe I rated it too high, but we'll discuss that. And maybe you'll talk. No, no, no. Your feeling is your you feeling. Up. I know, but no, maybe no, no. Your feeling is your feeling. I've and had I'm, it on I'm this not... show where I've been like, I've been like, okay, maybe I should move it up or like, oh, I did rate that too high. Oh, you're right. But no, but I like the enthusiasm for it because it yeah. means you're enjoying the film. I yeah. enjoyed watching it, but yeah. I don't know if I want to see it again. Right. It, it, even I felt that way with hard bodies. That's why I told you. You don't have you were like, I haven't seen hard bodies. I go, just listen to the show. You don't have to watch hard bodies because well, I'm never going to yeah. revisit it. Yeah. No, I if it's on. I've had many. I, I own a burned copy of it. I, I've had it for 10 years. Still yeah. haven't watched it. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a duel with uh, hard bodies and hard bodies, too, you know, because that answers all the or maybe like, lingering burning resort. questions oh, from the first either. one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. <laughs> so Kevin Conway, this is where I think I remembered him from or the last time I saw him. He's in a movie called Flashpoint starring Chris Christopherson and Treat Williams. And oh, Rick Torn. JFK assassination type. Yes, uh, exactly. I highly recommend that. He, who was he um, in that? Do you know? I mean, was he one of the cop, one of the border? Patrol? He's one of the he, he, he's got to be one of the, the bad guys. guys. Got to be the bad. He's, guy. A, he's, he's always a bad guy. I can never yeah. see. I don't see him as a romantic lead. Um, he's in a lot. He's in Rambling Rose, Jennifer Eight. Uh, what's the most? He's in Thirteen Days. He's in Mystic River. Of course, he's in Mystic River. Oh, he was like wow. made for that movie. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. like yeah. I need some. Yeah, it's interesting too that the actor I'm getting to next, Terry Funk, that Stallone loves him. He was like did stunts on Rambo Three. He was of course in Over the Top, and he's in Roadhouse, which you know he's great in Roadhouse um classic I, I, roadhouse i don't care what everybody says i can't wait for this new roadhouse it looks like so much fun like you know i i'm just i'm just really stunned now this is like have they have they remade point break as well because there's certain films they did and it, that oh, was a horrible why? remake where you're like yeah you don't need to and that i think with jake gyllenhaal it's better because you're like okay he's a likable character but sometimes you may be like just put a shirt on like stop showing off your pecs but with that remake, it's like you don't have Keanu Reeves. There was something about Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze that worked. And even the same thing with Roadhouse, that they kind of changed this new story where the wife loves it. We we're getting drunk at one of the hotels 
while we were drinking by the lazy river and our bartender was Dalton. And she's like, Dalton, your name's Dalton. She got all excited. Um, but well, Roadhouse is such a great movie. And I had the pleasure of seeing it at, at Prince Charles cinema when they did nice. something, they do something called the mystery movie marathon. I love a movie marathon and it was uh, overnight, which I love. Yeah. What I didn't know is the mystery wasn't that they were mystery movies. It was a mystery as to what they were going to show, which is why I was like, what the fuck? When it opened up with back to the future, I was really not pleased. I was like, I've seen this too many times. Like what? And this, thankfully the second movie was roadhouse. Yeah. And I got to see a pristine print that was so loud. And you, I really realized that movie is something to really be experienced in a theater with incredible sound. Oh, it's surround every punch, and breaking bottle yeah it's it great and also if you fight. need a moment to rip open your candy bag that's yeah, yeah. the one <laughs> yeah, I, I waited I, I i waited to open my packet of chocolate minstrels until the fight started i ripped it open yeah. and did all my stuff <laughs> but but uh that's a movie i cannot imagine enjoying the remake of maybe i will but yeah ben gazzara and patrick swayze are oh my god it's they're yeah. too iconic and ben gazzara is one of the great look there's the cassavetti's box set right back there yeah yeah he chews scenery. It's the greatest thing. And the movie's a, it's like a sci-fi cartoon yeah. anyway. Yeah. Well, and the thing with, uh, the thing where in that movie, that's what came out from that, the meme or whatever the joke is, you know, I used to fuck guys like you in prison. And it's like, <laughs> I think they did that on, on family guy. I was like, really? You used to like, that's weird. And, but ripping the throat out. I remember seeing that in the theater when I was young, like, Oh my God, Oh my God. He did the thing, you know, I said, when's he going to do the thing? He did the thing. Like, that's what he's so upset about that. He killed somebody once and now he's doing yeah. it, but it's also, you killed my friend. That's the other thing. You got Sam Elliott. I don't know who plays the guy in this new one. Who, who could be yeah. Sam Elliott? Like, yeah, that's he, the thing. Exactly. It's like, it's like when people cover David Bowie's heroes, yeah. you, you want to go, no, 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 no. Pick any other Bowie. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. Don't yeah. do, you could even do rebel rebel. Don't do this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, so I looked up uh, earlier in Kevin Conway's filmography, oh, and yes. this is the thing that was bothering me, and I okay. could not remember what it was. He's in the Funhouse. He's the guy, yeah. the creepy He's leader the guy of that everyone. It's his brother or his creation, yes. whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. that too. I was gonna put that down, and I forgot. Yes, and then of course we got Joe Spinell as Burp, who was in Taxi Driver <laughs> and Maniac, and. You know what's good? Speaking of Taxi Driver, Martin Scorsese made a short of that guy that plays the gun dealer. And he was like oh, a yeah. drug uh, dealer. It's a really Stephen good Prince. documentary. Yeah. What's that? American Boy? American Boy. Yeah. Really good documentary. Um, Just because he's telling these stories and you're like, that's fucking wild. But you meet people like that sometimes and you're like, what happened? I remember talking to a friend of mine who was like, yeah, this, I was sleeping with some girl and this guy comes in. And that, you know, it was his girl and he goes, we get in a fight and we're fighting out in the driveway. And he goes, all of a sudden there's a gun to my head and it cocks. And I'm like, oh, my oh, God. shit. And I'm like, yeah, that's crazy. And he's like, yeah, Joyce Ingalls as Bunchy. So I wanted to add her in here. She didn't do much. She was in. What was she in before this? I was just looking it up. Um, she was in some other, I think. Um, <clears throat> I want to say. uh Anyway, one of those 80s movies. And then Amy Eccles as Susan Chow. She's uh, Victor's girlfriend. And Tom Waits as Mumbles. 
So yeah, you see a young Tom Waits, you're like, oh, I haven't seen Tom Waits like that for a while. <laughs> like, and so that is why I have not one, but two copies of this soundtrack. Now this yeah. one is sealed. And yeah. I don't know if you can see the LP. hype sticker. It says yeah. theme song sung by Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> so that that was worthy of a hype sticker instead of yeah. obscuring that fact. Yeah. Which yeah. maybe they should have done. Well, I go ahead. I was going to say when the movie starts at first, I'm like, I think this is Stallone, because when you told me before we did it that you hadn't seen it, but that you have the soundtrack, I was like, oh, my God, Stallone sings on this. But when this went, I go, tell me this isn't so it's got to be Frank, like Frank plays a singer in it. <laughs> It's probably Frank singing, at least Frank sings. And then you're like, you know, nothing against, you know, he's born with the umbilical around his neck, but you can't be singing like, you know, that's the thing. You know, I'm surprised that you became a star because people would go, you mumble, you can't, you know, what's going on? Well, quite frankly, if this movie came out before Rocky, I don't know if we would have seen Rocky. I don't know if we would have been talking about this movie. Yeah. Now, I think yeah. it might have just faded away. I well, there's really th don't. Th there's two things to this. One is, it's like I said about Day of the Dead. I remember I didn't like Day of the Dead because I was like, Dawn of the Dead is the best. Night of the Living Dead is great. Dawn of the Dead. I rewatched it recently last year, and I was like, oh, my God, this is good. But I think he probably had an idea for this grand, like, good, the bad, and the ugly of zombie movies. And then they yeah. edited it down and he had to do this because he ran out of money. And I think if maybe, although also the, not the hubris, but the, the big ego of being like, oh, I can do whatever I want. And you run out and you make this and you're like, I'm going to not only write it and direct it, but I'm going to sing the main song. Now <clears throat> you sang the song. John Carpenter never sings on his things. Chaplin never sings on his things. They write, direct, produce, and do the music, you know, do the orchestration and like, come on, like, what were you thinking? And, but also like, what was the rule? Because that's the thing. So the movie started and I was like, I don't know about this. Like, this is, I go, is this what it like them, them running? I was like, Oh, this is pre chariots of fire. I could hear that music in my head. Bom, 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 bom. I'm like, it's good yeah. slow motion. It's what I added here, which is a uh, Laszlo and outline it for the listeners who haven't seen it, yeah. uh, which is probably most of you. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> so it starts and they're in a tenement and, you know, maybe already from the cover or whatever that it's old timey. Although I, I, I didn't do much research, but I was trying to figure out mm -hmm. at what time men's earrings wouldn't get them pummeled to death in the street. So uh, <laughs> that's it. I was going to look that up. Yeah, this is 1946. And Stallone has an earring in his ear, like a clip. I don't know if it's a real earring or a clip, but it's and when, so like you were going to say, they're getting ready to race. They're making bets. And I'm thinking they're on the street because they're Me jumping too. over things. And I'm like, oh, is this like, you know, they're jumping over the things. And then all of a sudden it's they're jumping over building like openings and buildings. And you're like, is this strange days? Like, what am I watching? Like, you know, that opening is strange days. So good. And this is where uh, you go ahead. I don't know if this is what well, this is where it gets fucking yeah. weird and it doesn't yeah. stop. Yeah. This is where it gets super weird because it's a slow-mo shot and it feels like you're here forever. Yeah. Forever. And then with, his, keep... with him singing over it. Yeah. With him singing 
as we watching him running and like, you know, he's going to beat the guy. There's no way yeah. he's not going to beat the guy. Yeah. yeah. And they're running and not just jumping one building. They're jumping a series of buildings. Yeah. And it, so you think, oh, is this like normal for him? And then you think, well, he's kind of a big guy. Like he doesn't look as not not limber but i mean this that's kind of a wild thing to do over yeah. and over again yeah and uh in the, the slow-mo and this more slow-mo and the song yeah. like we're too close yeah. to paradise close to heaven close to hell yeah, we, paradise yeah, right exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. i would have listened to it again but i i would have been traumatized and yeah. i yeah. think i listened to that song once I, I for 30 seconds because that song uh by tom waits which is like meet me in paradise alley tonight it's a good tune but it wasn't available on any other thing back in ye olden days where i had it right. on like a bootleg cassette uh -huh. so i have an unopened copy i mean that's the unopened i have an open right. copy that right. i used to listen to that i tried listening to the rest of it did not happen tarantino big fan of the soundtrack so mm -hmm. that did get a regular play we must say though Mm -hmm. His love for Sylvester Stallone is unmatched, I believe, by anyone, perhaps, except yeah. for Sylvester Stallone, who, incidentally, yeah. Tarantino uh, very adroitly says, I think the best director Stallone ever had was Sylvester Stallone, to which yeah. I would have to disagree, frankly. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, who would you say, you would say Alvidson? Alv uh, yes, I think Alvidson or... Uh, who directed First Blood? Did, did Stallone direct that? Uh, no, no, that he, was he rewrote. Uh, to, something with a T. Damn it. Uh, Cope. Uh, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Ted Koch. Ted okay, because it certainly ain't Bob Clark. You seen yeah. Rhinestone? Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, Bob Clark did that? Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my. I'm pretty sure. My, I'm going to double my, check. My faith of Bob Clark was up here, and now it's sunk a little bit but that's well, you the want if you want to get it closer to the bottom of the pool go watch it's, turk 182. it's the oh he did that too um, how about this go watch baby geniuses one and two. Oh, i thought uh john hughes did one of those i thought he directed the first one no he did baby's day out oh that's right that's right that's great oh, yeah, see i'm yeah, so i'm yeah. very proud i know all yeah, of the yeah, classics yeah, exactly uh, yeah. <laughs> baby geniuses i have it somewhere the watch the trailer it's like ghoulish I, I, it's yeah ghoulish. it's like yeah it's uh i remember i was working at the movie the at the video store i think at the time <laughs> that came out i'm like oh my gosh i remember going that's a good premise it's interesting but their mouths move like it's just weird oh it's so creepy and two the trailer is even weirder and the cast is insane like scott Bayo's in it and kathleen turner oh, wow you know what i miss about trailers is have you ever seen the trailer for Jason takes Manhattan, but it's like I, a I teaser trailer. So it's him by the water and the camera's moving up and he's playing this stuff. And all of a sudden it's just him standing there by the water and you see the bridge and you see Manhattan across the bay and you're like, Oh my yeah. God, like the music and everything. And you're like, Oh, this is like awesome. Like, and, and that's what they used to have those teasers of, I was thinking of this the other day because I was thinking about Bruce Willis. Remember when you bought Total Recall on Total Recall, they had a trailer for Die Hard 2 and it was him yeah. running down like between some pipes and stuff. And he stops and he goes, how can the same shit happen to the same guy twice? And he runs away and the words come in. Boom. Die Hard 2. Die Harder. And you're like, oh, my God. And it's a teaser. So they didn't show anything. You're just like, awesome. No, they're they're they special. They're they're special made for that purpose. Yeah, so you're yeah. they're, you're not 
you'd like okay so it's jason in manhattan like so yeah. you see it but it's the way you see it yeah and it's great and it gets you pumped up i dislike a lot of trailers because i have a exceptionally good memory for shots yeah and i remember as a kid it might be this is funny it might have been the trailer for blue city which is an absolutely mm -hmm. wretched film mm -hmm. uh starring judd nelson and ali sheedy it was right after saint elmo's fire when the brat pack was just going right, into the yeah. whatever legal circle eagles of hell, that or, or not legal eagles but yeah yeah that's what i think it's of. funny you mentioned from legal the eagles hip. have that soundtrack i have that soundtrack too on from the hip and, and all those yeah oh yeah there yeah. guess guess who directed from the hip do you know who directed that somebody famous because they were going to do a sequel they never did who was it bob clark Oh, well, that's a good one. I'll give that to him. Okay. Uh, it's interesting with Bob Clark because he was, it's like Quentin talks about these guys for hire that would just go make things. And like he talked about on the wrecking crew, like Phil Carlson, just a guy for hire. Not that he sought out a Dean Martin movie, but he's like, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, It's the thing. Oh, who directed, what were you looking up? Um, uh, uh, oh, oh, rhinestone. It was Bob Clark. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I saw Rhinestone in the theater wow. and I remember, and I think because I was like, oh, it's Stallone, this will be awesome. And I don't know what it was, but I just remember like, oh my God. And I remember my mom took me to see, um, stop her. My mom will shoot. She was like, we got to go see this movie. Oh, and I was like, no. well, I, li I like a Stogetti. Okay. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I don't remember that movie. And I think though that the 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 guys that wrote city slickers that were on a roll there for a while those two comedy guys uh can't think of them. anyway i think that they wrote that and it was like oh um, i would have a feeling though my guess my gut says stallone rewrote it because in the 80s mm -hmm. he had this really terrible habit of rewriting everything he was in so beverly hills cop was originally designed as a vehicle for him Mm -hmm. He rewrote it and rewrote it and rewrote it so much yeah, that the studio was like, we really don't, this is yeah, not this what we want to do. What we started with, yeah. And they made a deal with him that got them out of some like big, heavy pay to pl pay or play. They said, yeah. you can own, you can take this, take your version and take it. And that became Cobra, so which yeah. is mental when you think of like, yeah. That, so that was Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, yeah. At some yeah. point. Yeah. Rhinestone was heavily rewritten heavily yeah. by sylvester stallone well and phil alden robinson who's a like a very respected screenwriter was trying to take his name off of it because it had been it was made unrecognizable now i want to point out something about rhinestone that presents in paradise alley mm. i've never seen stallone act more like the guy he acts like in rhinestone than in the first 10 to 15 minutes of paradise alley it is interesting where it's what I run into with the wife and some people who go to watch these old movies, they don't like how it's not acting. It's somebody talking and then the other person talks. They wait for that person to talk and then they talk. And this seemed like if you and I were doing the scene with him meeting her, it would be like it's that where there was no it really was a little not stilted because it was well written. But him being like, oh, and she's like, you got poop on your shoulder. Oh, it's not mine. Blah, 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 blah. And he's just quick talking. And also, uh, this made me think of how much he talks, reminded me of, so I met you. You said no words while we're outside. I talked the whole time. No, you talk. But <laughs> this is the problem with me. I'll be at a friend's party. I haven't done this for a while, but 
I'll be the last one leaving. And they're pushing me out the door. Like, and I got, well, Hey man. Yeah. Blah, blah. And they're like, we're going to go to bed now. Like fucking go away. And that's I've had that happen. I like, now I now make the I now make the move where I go. Uh, I'm not sure. So that's the sign. If I start wondering, maybe it's time yeah. to wrap up. I'll just get the fuck out. That was your move. I I turned and you were in your lift driving away. I was like, Craig. Well, I said hey. no. I said good night though. I said I, <laughs> I gotta know. go. I know. <laughs> it would have been funnier though. And you just what's over there? And I go what? Um, yeah. And then you're gone. No, you're very delightful to talk to, but uh, for uh, sure. We talked for a while before we uh, rolled tape on this. And actually, yes, folks, we're rolling tape. It's actually watching That's right. It's a reel-to-reel, like the one behind you, that picture behind (laughs) you. Yes, exactly. That's a backup in case, yeah. Yeah, in case this one, in case my tape breaks. Um, What's (laughs) interesting is the wife will, uh, I'm home all night while she's at work. And then when she comes home, I'm like, honey, what did you want me to do with this? And what about this? Like, I cleaned that, but I wasn't sure about what. And she's like, can you just stop talking? Like, I just got home. And I'm like, realizing like, oh, I haven't talked to anybody unless I do a podcast. I talk. But then I'm like, you know, and so I'm like, okay, I'll try to. And my cousin was telling me when he's with his wife, she's the talker and he's not. And I go, I'm in the passenger seat waving to strangers and just making shit up and talking. And the wife's just like, and she stops listening. And then when I'm like, did you hear what I said? And I do. Uh, no, because you just talk about shit. Like, I don't care. It's like, OK, so. But you guys get along, though. But yes, we do. Yes, of course. Yeah, that's the thing. She calls me fat. And uh, all her friends, when they meet me, they're like, they're like, you're not fat. And I'm like, no, that's like our joke. Like, that's, you know, the thing. But well, it's uh, like she, Italian nicknames. In the mafia, like, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fat. Uh, yeah. Jimmy. That guy would be called skinny. Someone. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, when he's like, uh, that was funny when he's like, so you can't be fat, you can't what was a big big glory. You can't be fat glory. That makes no sense, you know. That that don't roll off gotta the tongue. Got to say of the performances, Frank McRae's yeah. is gut-wrenching. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. And then there's Quinn other said he should have been nominated. Yeah. He was fantastic in it. And that moment I mean, I, I don't know. I can't remember if we're going to go like down the road. I guess we'll save well, that for a little later. Maybe. Well, in case you missed it, directed by Sylvester Stallone and something that I added, like I said, Laszlo Kovacs did the cinematography. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Easy Rider, Five Easy Pieces, Ghostbusters, Savage Seven, Freebie and the Bean, and many others. What I was going to say, we were talking about rewriting. When he did Rambo 2, James Cameron wrote on that. And I'm sure he rewrote James Cameron. It's like, who fucking rewrites James Cameron? Sylvester Stallone. I'm sure they weren't just sitting together. I'm sure they weren't sitting together going back and forth with ideas. No, 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 no. And at any time in the 80s, if it says written by either Sylvester Stallone and or someone and Sylvester Stallone, that's because he decided to rewrite it. Yeah. And uh, so this comparison or rem- reminding me of what uh, the role in rhinestone or the role in paradise alley reminding right. me of the one in rhinestone is not a good thing i was watching yeah. it going he won't shut up and it, it's he's not like interacting really with the other people now that reminded me of the beginning of breathless mm-hmm. so there's something interesting that tarantino seems to like these uh repellent characters and he talks a lot about uh, characters such as those in Hateful Eight, the ones who have no redeeming qualities. Now, not yeah. that Cosmo uh, Carboni doesn't have redeeming qualities, but at the on the face of it, right? Yeah, you're just like this guy starting is a out. You're asshole. Like, yeah, I was like, this guy's an asshole. He's 
He's mean to his brother. He wants to kill that bird. And then his other brother, he's mean to. And the thing that's great that we'll get to, we'll get to listener opinions, but some things that are great, the Charlie Chaplin thing, I love. I love that, that that's put in there. So then when he's like, do Chaplin, he won't do Chaplin for you. He's like, later. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. He's, and his brother's he's changed. Like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So for those that who won't see the movie or haven't, yeah. uh, the Armand Asante brother, who's sort of the level-headed uh, worker guy who yeah. was injured in the war, and is uh, very reserved, but also kind of hiding himself and yeah. is a bit of a, a drinker, but stewing. And we only kind of find out why a little later. I feel like a little later than we should have, because that yeah. didn't make sense. Yeah, For, yeah. He's, he, he was in love with this it, woman who they broke yeah, up and then. Yeah, I was going to say it was interesting. Uh, we'll get to listener opinions, but I do want to finish this. It's interesting because, like you said, it's not explained. And all of a sudden he looks over at him. And he's looking at them dancing together and you're like, what's going on? And it plays this sentimental music and you can see it on her face. So it's good acting there. But you're also like, what's going on? And then you're like, then it shows you like later on. So and, and look, I, I'm normally this is strange. I'm one who loves stuff that's unexplained that we're just dropped into. But mm -hmm. with this, I really felt like, OK, so this is going for a sort of classical structure or classical tropes kind of thing and yeah. to me it's failing on a lot of those things like that's what it feels like it's aiming for uh, whether it's to incorporate them or sort of um, pastiche of them yeah, so trying they're to not do like old school well. movies and yeah it's trying to be an old movie and even yeah. uh tarantino talks about like east side kids like it's kind of like those like leo gorsi and those guys but that that's what he's doing but it is that thing of right away, you're like, I don't like this guy. I don't like Stallone. He's mean to everybody. And then when he's like, let's make him fight. Let's make him arm wrestle. It's like, no. But anyway, let's get to listener opinions. First. Yeah. And again, I like when there's an unlikable yeah. lead character. But it's he's he. the reason I find him off-putting is because, well, I'm thinking, okay, he's directing himself doing this. So he thinks that this is the way to do it. And he's just yeah, but it doesn't seem like everyone hates him. So I don't yeah. understand. It's like it, it doesn't. There's some kind of unreality going on. And I think it, maybe when you're making something like this, where you go, if I go full bore Hitler, then I can have when I have my enlightenment time, it'll be more of an arc. But this doesn't work where you're too much like, you know, something that I like that I love that almost chokes me up every time 48 hours Nick Nolte he's like calling him the n-word he's being mean to him later on when they're at the bar and he's like look I'm telling you Gans is over here this is what's going on and Nick Nolte's like I'm sorry that I said those things we say those things to keep you down I, that's why I said it and I didn't mean to and he's like okay and they're good and then they go off and you know shoots him in the yeah arm. um that's yeah. a well-written movie yeah, I exactly. Didn't yeah. find this to be a well-written yeah. movie. Yeah, it's, that's a, a a mean character, but not too mean, and then you know redeemed. But yeah, he's still gruff though. He's still yeah. gruff, yeah. and he's still him. But you can see it gradually occurring. But but that's this where, it just feels like ham-fisted. Yeah, it's like what Quentin said. We'll get to listener opinions right after I say this, where Quentin said like like you and I were saying, there's no that change. Not necessarily the change that goes from him being like, okay, I'll help you make money. It's a change after when he's fought all the fights, he's at the last fight 
And now Stallone is caring and Armando Sante doesn't care because he's in it for the money. And, and prior to that, just and, to make it clear for anyone listening, yeah. Armando Sante, the conservative brother, keeps yeah. warning him against falling yeah. for Cosmo's yeah, poison. Cosmo is yeah. using him. He yeah. tricks him into doing this arm wrestling thing at the beginning, which we'll get into after listener opinions, because I have a lot to say about that whole sequence. Yes. Um, well, and, and then he cons he, him into that. And then even and then even when it comes to so not only that switch, but then at the end, it's all roses in two seconds. And you're like. And yeah, that, it and doesn't make any sense. Didn't even, yeah, but and they switch basically. Yeah, for those listening, at at that point, at the point where uh, Asante gets in on the action, he becomes mm. this other guy. Yeah. He becomes this other guy who maybe is the guy that Ann Archer was talking about him previously being, but that doesn't make sense because now he's not really showing her the same amount of affection. He's yeah. money hungry. He's he's do, there's a, a little red herring. Or there's a little uh, thing laid in there by Old Glory, who says, "Make sure whoever handles you is someone you trust." Yeah, and you know, but and then you're like, "Can you trust them?" Anyway, it's, we'll go along and find more of that in a bit. But please, exactly. I'm, I'm excited to hear listener opinions. All right, here we go. Man, I don't even have an opinion. Well, you gotta have an opinion. Craig Zablo on Twitter wrote, quote, I'm a huge fan since its release, end quote. Michael Cronenberg on Twitter wrote, quote, I like Paradise Alley and I like Fist even more. Both underappreciated Stallone movies, especially Fist. So he made Fist, the way they do it in the documentary, Fist comes out and then he does Paradise Alley. But Fist was directed by Norman Jewison. And then this was directed by him. But it's that thing of Fist is also an older, like in the 40s or 50s, and it's union mm -hmm. truck drivers. And so it's weird. Um, Connor Colfer on the Video Archives podcast fans page on Facebook wrote, quote, Paradise Alley rocks. She put a little bit of the book in here. So the book's the Quentin's thing. Anyway, Paradise Alley rocks. The book Stallone wrote is really good, too. Pretty unreal how talented he was as a writer, director, and actor at the time. He actually wrote the book first to try to get it optioned as a movie, but he couldn't even find a publisher who would touch his book. Pretty round about way to try to get a movie made, to decide to write a novel first and then get it picked up and turned into a screenplay. Also in Cinema Speculations, QT talks about how he was so taken with Stallone's debut, he wrote a script inspired by Paradise Alley, and I think inspired a little by Jackie Chan's The Big Brawl too. Uh, also meaning T-O-L, titled Brooklyn BR. He said BR didn't even stand for anything. He just thought it sounded cool, like Reservoir Dogs and the Crazy 88s. That the script that he got the furthest along with, too, before he wrote The Open Road to Nowhere, which led him to True Romance, end quote. So that's what's interesting, is the novel might flesh all this stuff out. They might have, like he... He talks about, I think I have it. Um, yeah, here it is. I'll go ahead and read it now. In an interview with Roger Ebert in 19, 1980, Stallone mentioned that Paradise Alley was originally a much longer film before he was mm. forced by Universal to cut it down. Stallone said, I'll never forgive myself for the way I allowed myself to be manipulated during the editing to that of that film. There were a lot of scenes in there to give atmosphere and character, and they wanted them out just to speed things along. They removed 40 scenes altogether. I put 10 of them back in for the version shown on TV. For example, the whole sequence of the soldier without legs sitting on a bar eating peanuts. 
end quote. So about that scene, I found on some Blu-ray review site, Mm -hmm. a breakdown of what was different between the TV version and the theatrical version. And apparently the Blu-ray has both and the TV version is in just as good a quality because Mm -hmm. they still had the negative or something. And it describes the scene where it's a soldier who was, uh, who was either in the same battalion or whatever. They were in the same war, him and Armand Asante. Mm-hmm. And the soldier is talking about how proud he is for the country, and he's doing the rah-rah thing. The guy's missing his legs. He's drunk. Um, and, and he points to, what's the guy? I can't remember his name. Armand, we're call him Lenny, Armand. Lenny. Armand Carboni. Lenny. Lenny, yeah. uh, Lenny yeah, Armand, Armand Carboni. Carboni. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's like, oh, come on, Lenny, you're proud, aren't you? And Lenny's like, what a proud of what? You know, and so he's uh, espousing kind of the bitter veteran thing. And someone made a point somewhere. I can't remember where I saw it. So forgive me. I'm sorry if I, I'm not crediting you on this. That said that, oh, Stallone was sort of like commenting on the Vietnam War in this. And so I thought, well, I didn't get that. But fair enough. You know, I mean, people did do that around this time. But. Uh, I guess that would show some stuff. I didn't see the scene. I read the scene, but I also yeah. thought, I don't know if this was in there. I don't know. I don't know if maybe I'd know earlier than I did that he was a war veteran, but they do talk about it at some point later on. You know, he has a limp. You don't know why. Yeah. And I think you only find that out later in well, the, when, when, when he's like, when he first does the first chaplain, I just thought, Oh, he's got a cane there and he's doing chaplain for him. Then when you see him walking, you see him, he's using the cane and you're like, oh, he's injured. Okay. Like, but you don't get that before. It's the thing of with this, because now we're in it. This, it starts out with that weird thing. Not only them jumping from rooftop to rooftop, but then for like one 15 guy, minutes, the, the younger kid misses. Yeah. It's, I swear it was that long. The younger kid misses and you see him falling. And then it just cuts to him hanging on the laundry line. And so first I'm thinking like, holy shit, did that guy die? Then it cuts to it and yeah. he's hanging on the line. He's like, you son of a bitch. And Stallone yells down to him and leaves. And you're like, and that's where you said the, the tone. You're like, is this a comedy? Like, what's going on? And then when he's making the jokes with her, when he's trying to get with her and she's like, you have, you know, shit on your shoulder. And he's like, I that that way. I put that there for the part, you know, and there's the part is like trading places where he's sitting on that little cart with no legs. And then when he yeah. picks him up, he's got legs and he helps him with. And again, him being a dick where his brother's like, you want to help with the ice? He's like, no, he goes, it sounds like you need help. Like hire some, hire a helper. It's like, what the fuck? And yeah, yelling at that old man, where is that supposed to be funny? Like, you know, yelling right in his ear, being like, how much ice you need? But something that I did. And meanwhile, like, Pop, the old man, yeah, is sitting out in absolutely frigid weather. This, this is one of yeah. a couple examples of people just sitting out for hours. Yeah, in absolute icy, freezing weather because there's yeah. no because you need to cut to that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. sitting out there night and day with blankets wrapped around him. Wouldn't it be better if the deaf old man could maybe be inside? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but who like, would they talk to? Who 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 would they talk to 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 ask how much ice they need for then later for the man to go? Oh, I'm so sorry. We don't yeah, have, we I, don't need ice anymore. Yeah, I have an ice box now. Yeah. It's the thing of you're making me change my rating. I hate this, but I love it. Um, <laughs> that's why we're here to discuss things. So it, I, I love the part. And uh, I'm also glad that I didn't have to make notes. And I remember these things now 
Um, Cause when I was in LA and I'm like, I'm trying to make notes and stuff. And Craig goes, I don't make notes. I just watch the movie like it's intended. And I'm like, Oh, so I'm an asshole. I see what you're saying. So I watch the movie. Like <laughs> I think I said it in a nicer way uh, than no, that, you, but you, said, you call me a piece of shit and you spit on me, I think. Uh, and I, well, was then like, I put, oh. no, I pushed you down first. Yeah, that's right. Roughly yeah. on the ground. And then and I when I went to get up, said, you jumped in the lift and left and I was and like, was oh, gone. He's gone. Yeah. 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 Um, I was like, what an, what an exit way to go. Um, thank you. No, it's the when the dance girls are there and he's like, hey, you were mean to this guy because she just like he's like, hey, he's trying to kiss her. She's like, your time is up. Your dime is up. Your time dime is up. When they're at stickies. Yeah. Stickies. Yeah. Stickies. Which is his place. Yes. Which I was like, does that say Schlitz? And then when you get to the other side of the sign, you're like, no, it's stickies. Um, Then then he comes over. So go, go ahead. Then he comes over and he says. He says, hey, you need to apologize. She's like, I'm not going to apologize. And then he goes, hey, somebody will give you 20 bucks for, you know, to give them a good time. And he's like, that's that's um, that's four fives. That's two tens. That's 20 ones. And I'm like, OK, the, uh, OK, kind of funny, I guess. And then he goes to the next girl and he says, they the, show this guy a good time. I give you two bucks. And you're like, oh, wow, like, what the fuck? Like, this girl gets 20, this one gets two. And he's like, that's two $1 bills. And it's, you know, uh, eight quarters. And she's like, why don't you go sleep with them for a dime? That's two nickels or whatever she says. And it's like, oh, my God, like, it was all built for that. Like, that's what he's writing this joke. Yeah, like, that's the thing. It's like, it's like, oh, this is a funny thing. It's so funny. I'm not going to think, is it appropriate? Yeah. for this or or will it further the story or will yeah. it just mire us in like the what the fuck is this clean it up sticky it's, hey, clean it up sticky I, it, which is what the girls say to him but they all say it like it's like uh like yeah. uh you know yeah, like nike just do it yeah. yeah it's well it's interesting to where thinking of this i have never seen they all laughed i think the bogdanovich some people say Bogdanovich just watched all these old 40s comedies and then wanted to make 40s comedies and he didn't do it right because he's not a 40s comedy guy. But this seems like that Stallone just sat down, watched all these East Side kids, all these kind of movies like this and was like, I'm going to make a movie like this and change it. And just real quick, what I was thinking of earlier when you were talking about his father, after Rocky came out, his father came to the producers and was like, or came to Albertson and was like, Hey, I got this boxing movie about a boxer. Like couldn't stand that Rocky did so good and wanted to now he was like, I wrote something and they were like, no, go tell Stallone about it or something. And Frank was like, dad, just leave it alone. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. But it's so it's some of this stuff is written real fast and it's funny, but Stallone is like not likable as this character. Lenny's like also if I if I didn't know uh, sorry to interrupt yeah. if I didn't know anything about Sylvester Stallone like if I just yeah. uh, uh, arrived here or this is the first yeah. thing I ever saw yeah. I'd be like this guy sucks not, yeah. not just the character I'd be like this yeah, is a the, terrible the actor acting, yeah 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 and, yeah. and I, I like him. Like, I'm a yeah. fan of Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. It's... You mentioned uh, Stop My Mom Will Shoot. I got to say, Oscar is fucking wonderful. It is That's... so good. I need to see that. I hear it's good. Yeah. I hear it's, it's, a, it's as good as Stop My Mom Will Shoot is bad. Let's talk about some off comedies that maybe people don't like. I love Clifford. Him, 
like Martin Short as Clifford, like giving him that look when he's like, "Will you stop giving me that look?" And he just—it's just hilarious. And people couldn't buy into the "this is a kid," like, but it's hilarious. I used to um, play that at a video store I worked at all the time, and it uh -huh. would, people would, it would freak people out. <laughs> it's so weird. It, there's, by the way, there's an oral history of the making of that. So oh, it's wow. on some. Just Google that, and you'll yeah. find it, and it's amazing. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, the uh, Charles Grodin best straight man ever. Um, the so it's that thing of writing this stuff real fat the fast trying to which what they didn't do that howard hawks does and um and uh john carpenter knew it so when he did his thing he also had the overlapping dialogue is the thing howard hawks says is like if you're watching his girl friday the last three words of that before Rosalind Russell jumps in to say something. Those last three words don't mean anything. They're an and um or a whatever. Yeah. And then so it works. It's not anything important that you're going to miss in the plot. And it goes back and forth. And that's what he's trying to do. But they don't overlap. It's let's do it. It's acting 101. Like I'm going to read it and then you read back and you say back to me. And yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's no different than some of the foreign films where they have actors of different nationalities Jessica Harper talking to me about Suspiria was like, yeah, I just would wait. And then I knew he was yeah. done, but like, that's okay. in a movie like Suspiria, this where it's supposed to be a character driven piece. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a little, he's overbearing as the actor. Yeah. And I think an, another director would have been like, Hey, let's reel this back a little because when he's just like yammering at Ann Archer, I'm like, mm -hmm. is this even a person he's talking to? And because she she's, and she's just sort of reacting like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. So sometimes it seems like other people are there just so Cosmo can have something to talk to. To talk to. Yeah. And well, and then it's interesting with that. First of all, I want to get into all the great stuff about this that I loved. I loved when that character switch happened, when I'm like, oh, the movie this is, is Stallone's going to get his brother to now fight. Lenny's going to try to fight them against it. But I know that they kind of work together, but I don't know. And then when that switch happens and now Lenny is in charge of him going it and the little thing of Stallone being like, but you and I had a thing and her being like, no, like our thing is deeper than your thing. Like, you know, we're well, friends. Wait, just to clarify, just yes. to clarify for folks. So Lenny Armand Asante. Yeah. Uh, we find out in a very like hazy way after yeah. Stallone is sort of chasing no not stalking because she's like oh we're good friends as she says later but yeah. he's after this girl uh annie is it annie there is yeah annie and there is the part that is her name and her name um it's the thing of there was that part when he's going to take her home like the second time and she goes to give him a kiss on the cheek and he says like oh you need glasses for your eyes and she's like why and he goes because that's the second time that you miss kissing my lips and you're like, I was like, okay, that's kind of clever writing. Like, okay. Cause I was like, yeah, that's not bad. Going? I go, where's he going with that? Okay. I get it. But it's that thing of that. We said that is kind of shown, but not cause it's a, even in a forties movie, I think they would have, even if you had that in this movie of somebody, then his friend, Lenny's friend to be sitting next to him and be like, see him looking at her and be like, you miss the old times with her. Do you? Yeah, I do. Like, that's what an old 40s movie would do is I see yeah. you looking at her. She's busy with him now and they don't. They, he just looks at her. She does the best acting where she has this crestfallen look of like feeling bad because when he came back injured, they never got 
together because he felt like most that you hear about vets that come back are like, no, I'm destroyed now. And I'm not, I'm half the man I used to be and blah, 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 you know? And the first time we see any indication of this is like at least 30 minutes into the movie, <clears throat> they're at Sticky's, the, the taxi dance place. And, uh, Stallone, meanwhile, who's dancing with Annie and I can't quite figure out, is he paying Annie? Like, is he just yeah. a, like a floor filler, uh, not quite a bed warmer, but yeah. uh, as he says later, yeah. but meanwhile, <clears throat> while he's pursuing this woman, and this is an interesting character piece, I gotta say, but it's also like, oh, what a douche, this gorgeous woman is mm. fully into him, way yeah. into him, but he, and he's telling her about how he's broken hearted over Annie who won't sleep with them. And yeah. In that, I got to say, that's a very accurate portrayal of a way that a lot of guys operate, yeah, especially yeah. when you're much younger or something. So this bit is good, but the problem is it's in the sea of unbelievability. Yes. We talked about John Hughes. Um, uh, some kind of wonderful. He's talking to her about Leah Thompson and she's yes. like, hello, I'm right fucking here. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And that's the same thing, except that they're on two separate rooftops and then they slowly get closer. And then finally he realizes, oh, you don't care that I don't have a car. You don't care about whatever. But then also it's weird that acting with her when it's Christmas, she's like, where are we going? You got me perfume. You got me this vibrating bed thing, whatever. And he's kind of making jokes about her sleeping around like he talks about. And then he's like, don't go anywhere and don't have anybody over. But then she's like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going. And it's like, well, he says he's going to the Paradise Alley to do work. Yeah. And he's, and it's he's like, not really. He, he's going to go have drinks with Old Glory, which is nice. Now, so for folks uh, who haven't watched the movie again, probably all of you, uh, Old Glory is the uh, one to beat at this place called Paradise Alley, which we finally get to at about halfway through the movie. So once we get there, yeah, in it, that's where he take he's taken Lenny because he's taken Lenny to show him a good time. I think this yeah. is after we've realized that Lenny pines the first time we see lenny and and ann archer yeah it's before so, he gets I'm, with yeah it's before he gets with so, ann archer because he's friendly with lenny like come here i want to take here but you're also like is he taking him out to have him a drink why is that's well, and he come, but he's conning him he's too because like, he told says, me there were girls here and there's no yeah yeah and lenny just is like another time you're lying to me and everything and lenny does call him out for exactly who he is but then we realize we kind of know that the wrestling thing is coming into it somewhere because we've read it but imagine if you didn't know and yeah. you just were watching this movie you'd be like what 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 the fuck am i watching yeah. so uh he goes to they take him to paradise alley takes lenny to paradise alley when they get in there it's this incredibly elaborate setup yeah which I have to add for something that'll come up later is underneath a building. This is very important to remember when we get to the <laughs> climax of the film. Yeah. So he takes him there. And the real purpose, it seems, is for him to show Lenny these uh, this big uh, wrestling match where uh, like big lucky hopefuls or unlucky hopefuls come up to try to beat old glory, who is Frank McRae. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, big glory. And they get crushed, they get smashed, and then this incredible neon sign comes down that says, like, another bum. Yeah. So it's this really elaborate thing, and the ringmaster is Burp, Joe 19, Spinell. 1946, those signs are expensive. Like, that's they're gotta real be... expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're real expensive. Yeah. And the prize money is 100 bucks, which, you know, they're talking about dimes. They're getting, you know, it, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of money back yeah. then. A dime for a dance, yeah, you get a lot for 100, yeah. And I'm that's curious where... as to where cosmo heard about this because prior to this 
one of his get rich quick schemes is have well he wants this monkey that belonged to a, one of the corpses at yeah. Lenny's uh, uh, a corpsatorium or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, so that yeah. that's we yeah exactly. So even though Lenny works as a, a corpse worker, <laughs> yeah. they all still live in a fucking hovel. Yeah, we can talk about that scene in a bit, but well, and Stallone and, steals that guy's clothes. The guy who is the the monkey grinder, whatever, and then he's like, "What is funny that when he's like, well, you know, where did his monkey go?" And they're like, "I don't know where his monkey went, whatever." And she comments about his suit, whatever. When it gets to the part where he gets them, because he makes the bet with them, I'll bet you a hundred dollars against the arm wrestling, and the guy beats. The arm wrestling is pretty good, and Terry. Well, wait, let's set up. Let's fill in a little. Let's just fill in a little. Sorry, because the movie's confusing. So it's uh, so they go, and uh, after so there's this scene where I didn't even know that was the brother. Okay, I didn't know that was the brother. It's slowly cohering, and uh, you know I can usually. Yeah. yeah. So Victor is kind of like he's kind of like uh the 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 not so bright guy in of mice and men and oh and his brother's named lenny what yeah Yeah. and his brother's named lenny that's well look at that um so i guess a nod to the classics so yeah we're in the the corpsatorium and um again well that's where some of the ice goes so yeah so lenny lifts ice up 10 flights of stairs as stallone later says so he's very strong yeah and um Lenny is a mortician and Cosmo's a bum. So, um, but his hair is his trademark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His long hair, they're like, cut your hair. And he says the same thing. The same dialogue is said by three different, four different people. Yeah. So they go to the bar, the local bar, which is Stitch's bar, right? That's the bar they're at. Yeah. So after they've discovered that the, the Stallone goes, Hey, who's that stiff? And he says, Oh, that's McCluskey or whatever his name is. Oh, you mean the organ grinder guy? Yeah. Oh, where's his monkey? Oh, they, I don't know. So they go to have a drink at stitches. Um, yeah. Just again, the, every aspect of existence looks horrendous. It's so it, it, it's interesting. Cause they're trying to say that they're trying to say like, here's how bad the slums, the hell's kitchen was in the forties in after the war, but also, then you got this gang coming in and I haven't seen Peaky Blinders, but this gang coming in is a comical gang. It's like something from, you know, one of those, uh, you know, uh, beach blanket bingo movies. Like, yes, you're like, is this supposed to be a scary gang or are they supposed to be comical? Like, you know, what's going on? The guy's got, you know, bandage on his nose, but they walk in. Everybody's kind of afraid of them and they're pushing people out of the bar, you know, off the bar bar. And you're yeah. like, what's going on? And it's that part is weird. Now you're like, what's his tone? But you're like, okay, I get we're supposed to fear this guy. And then also when it comes to then Frank, right? The the Terry Funk is yes. Then they're like, well, he's like, I'm going to let's arm wrestle. You guys will arm wrestle. And that's when Lenny is still like, no, this isn't right. You don't need to do this. We can't. And he's like, come on, you want to do it? And he's like, I'll do it for him. Okay. You know, it is that thing. Well, because also he, he goes, listen, I'm know. on the hook for $100 now. Yes, yeah. you're on the hook for $100 because you put yourself you in this situation. Yeah, exactly. And so then they arm wrestle and it's this intense scene. And Terry Funk looks like the girl from Raiders or guy who drank against Marion at the bar at the <laughs> at table. Um, but he's like bleeding out of his nose and he's sweating and he's almost beat him. 
and then he comes back and that's really hard if you've ever arm wrestled like to come back from that but he rips off his arm of his shirt too where you're like and also though in the back of your mind you're going oh stallone must have been like this was a really good scene can we do an arm wrestling movie that did go through my mind too i thought gee you just can't get away from the the magic yeah it's it's interesting the although you know uh, he didn't want to do over the top he kept saying no until they said we'll give you nine million he Mm -hmm. went okay all right yeah that's where you know you look at yeah you look at his it's like like Chaplin and Keaton were always against each other, just like Stallone and Arnold were always like Keaton and Chaplin would be like Keaton has said, we'd I'd come out with, okay, I got 12 title cards. Beat that. Chaplin be like, I did mine with 11 motherfucker. So then he had to do 10 or whatever. Um, But so the arm wrestling scene is okay. It's good. It might go a little too. Oh, showing everybody's faces. It's like, don't show it like show a couple show the arm wrestling show a face show it but it shows like four faces and then goes back to the arm wrestling and showing like how much time has passed like what's like is this no, been it, an hour it, it, yeah it feels like at least as long as the opening credit sequence and it, it gets into <laughs> yeah. this like almost hallucinate it, it's almost like a it's like a parody yeah it, it's like something an airplane and yeah. i know it wasn't intended to be because yeah. first okay the faces of like Cosmo, who has something at this at stake, Stitch, yeah. maybe one of the co- yeah, the, gr- people the are coming girl. in out of the into the yeah. frame out of the background who you don't you don't even, even see again. They're like, like they're just standing there looking, and, and then they sorry, yeah. go ahead. That girl smiles for a second and then just turns away and walks away, yeah. and you're like, what is she smiling at? Like I don't get it. Is that someone's like niece that they wanted to have? Yeah. Oh, she'll be good on the like. It, it yeah. makes it. It's not even and from the. I don't know exactly the 180 rule. You know, right. the thing about like, you want to establish yeah, yeah, that this is it. this side. Yeah. I feel like that scene violates it completely, which <clears throat> is fine in a William Friedkin movie where yeah. you're doing cutting and like this yeah. wild stuff or, or, or Kubrick in uh, The Shining. Yeah. This is, it's just disorienting. I think it was, I think everybody was there, but that's what else is funny when you watch something like Friends or even King of Queens when they're sitting at the table and you're like, what's over here behind the camera? You know, like you're all, (laughs) you know, or even, you know, um, um, how I met your mother, but it's the thing it's, it's, I'm sorry. You just reminded me of something. There's no reverse shot. There's it's all from one side of the table. It's all there. Yeah. And then over. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the camera's in the one spot, just showing them each in different shots, but never moving to over (laughs) his shoulder, over his shoulder, or even, you know, from the fist. On the other side from the, well, that'd be breaking the 180 roll, but it's interesting where there's uh, interesting where you give somebody money, you go do your passion project. Now you can be uh, Orson Welles and you blow everybody out of the water that they learn 60 years later, people go, Oh, that was a good movie. But when it comes out, people are like, what is this movie? Like, I don't get it. And you know, Hearst is like, no, no, no. But some new director coming up and being like, I got an idea and I want to make this like grand thing. I was thinking about this with I was listening to a podcast um, armchair expert with Dak Shepard talking to um, Bradley Cooper. And it's it's there's something about like your second movie. Like, I don't think he'll win an Oscar for Maestro. 
It's something mm-hmm. about maybe your third movie. Maybe you will like either your first or your third. That first one was good. He did good, but it was a remake of, you know, uh, three, three other movies that had already been done. And then you do this and it's this where don't start with this. Start with something like I know France for Coppola didn't, but start with something like the conversation work up to the Godfather. That's what's cool. Well, that he did. He, I mean, he did uh, between what, both of those. But I mean, he actually, yeah, he started with Finian's Rainbow, but that's because like they gave him a gig. Yeah. They hired him at 24 to do this yeah. fucking Gene yeah. Kelly musical, which After, is insane. I just recently saw Dementia 13 for the first time. Oh, that's and, right. Um, yeah, that's his first one. I liked it, but it was weird. It's one of those weird, but it's atmospheric. But um, but with this, like, don't start with your epic or your passion project, but it's kind of weird. It's like Quentin with True Romance. He almost directed that. And if he would have, it would have, you know, he talks about making, you know, my best friend's birthday, which had a lot of true romance in it. But you watch the footage that is there that he says there was a fire. Who knows if there was, but um, he says there was a fire destroyed his stuff. But also he learned watching it like, oh, I suck at directing. I need to learn more. And that's the good thing. And that's what I think that Stallone kind of needed was let me do a little thing where I can learn my second movie, then I'll do my magnum opus. But also like in the seventies, you're coming out with this 1940s, like weird, you know, but there is a thing about guys in that era, like pining to make a forties thing. I'm not, I never really dig that. I I just don't enjoy it very much. Um, And his, I won't say arrogance because I don't think it's arrogant. I appreciate the fact that he wanted to go all in. He was such a believer in his writing, in his directing. I also, back to Tarantino, I think it's wonderful the way he talks about my best friend's uh, birthday because a lot of people, as he said, would just go like fold their uh, cards and go and and, and then... And then bitch about someone else and all that stuff. Yeah. But he was like, no, I failed, but that just meant that I got better. Like every time I did it, I could see it getting better. So I knew, yeah. and now I knew. Like he, I think he has a lot of philosophical things that are really helpful for anyone in well, any line of business. But for, I also. For, for sure. And the, the biggest thing is a lot of people didn't like, although that's kind of come around more. A lot of people didn't like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because they wanted more Quentin Tarantino. But I think that's him becoming a better director like this next one is going to be even better and if it's going to be his version of a giallo where i remember thinking like oh edgar wright will do a good giallo i didn't like it that much i think quentin will knock it out of the park and do this good slasher whatever it is well he'll do something that is very totally surprising once upon a time in hollywood was very surprising to me and the way it unfurled and what it did and how the ending was different from the because also it, the way he sets you up mm-hmm. in the Spawn Ranch thing is terrifying. Yeah. So yeah. you don't know what's going to happen later yeah. on. But then the, if you know the, the details of the thing, yeah. when as soon as that girl drove away, I went, oh, wait a second. Hold on. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. Yeah. Linda Freitech or whatever her name was, or Freitech, yeah. she was there. Yeah. Uh, so, uh so then you're going what uh, and then you're in it like you know you're already in it and incidentally he plants stuff so well unlike other things it, like yeah. in this movie maybe but like yeah, yeah. you know when people hold up like a like a, a like some gun like my daddy had this and then yeah, i wasn't yeah, supposed yeah. to use yeah. it and then they of course it's what they use at the end to kill someone yeah the dog food can is one of the greatest 
planted in your mind early on when you yeah. think you're just watching a day in the life of Brad Pitt's character. Yeah. And then later on, it's a big part of the story. Yeah. But to Tarantino's love for this film mm -hmm. and also his very frank assessment of it, watching it today in the book. Yeah. And he loved this movie. He saw it four times in the theater, bought mm -hmm. the VHS, the MCA uh, yeah, home video back when it was like 90 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When he's working a retail job, paid a lot of money for it. He loved this. And I feel strongly that his love for Stallone is rooted in, in, in more than just the love for the films. And he talks about this uh, in various ways. Mm -hmm. Stallone is a self-made guy. Yeah. And I think it's a Cassavetes type where he's like, oh, this is somebody who can do it. I could be like him. I am wanting to be an actor, and Stallone did as well. And then Stallone was like, I'm going to also try to write some stuff and make some stuff. And he's like, this is amazing. Like, I love it. And being that kind of character, he loves those, Quentin loves those uh, character actors. And it's like what I was thinking of when we were talking about how much Stallone talks the best Stallone ones, I need to rewatch Rocky for sure. It's on our list. But the first Rocky, he doesn't talk much. He talks and he's just a normal guy. He's not overacting. He's not whatever. And then, like he said, when he did First Blood, he's like, we need to get rid of a lot of this dialogue. Be more Clint Eastwood style, not saying much. And then he does talk about one of the best things that he ever wrote. I would say this is me saying it is because he talks about how he went to all these uh, read about these Vietnam vets and what they were going through and did all this research and then wrote that end scene of like, you know, where's the legs? Your legs are gone. Like that whole thing is amazing. When you're watching this whole movie and that part comes, you're like, holy shit. Like I get it. Even though he's the bully of the whole story, <laughs> like, you know, should have just left town, but also you should have given him a sandwich leave the guy alone. Um, all he wanted to do was eat. Um, but it's, it's, I don't know. It's weird with this movie. So like, cause now that we've talked about it, I'm trying to think of what I loved, what I did love that I said before, there's a scene later on when the whole point is that Victor wants to go with Susan. He's going to buy a houseboat and they're going to live on it. And, and at first I'm thinking Susan is just wanting to fix this guy. But then you do find out that she kind of does love him the way when her mom or whoever's like, hey, and she's like, OK, I got to go. And he's like, all right. And but at first I was like, uh oh, is she using him as well? And then you're like, oh, no, she not. No, she but, loves him as he is. She loves yeah. him just as he is. And he is very handsome, but she's helping him to learn things, yeah. learn uh, stuff to expand his mind because he's a very gentle soul. Yeah. Punk he doesn't down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. Stitch tries to intimidate him and it doesn't yeah. work because he said and Stitch goes, he's too stupid to be scared. Yeah. Um, and I did like that Stallone didn't go with the usual convention of them jumping him then and beating him up and all that stuff. So there's certain like uh, irregularities that I like. <clears throat> Here's but that's go ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say uh, okay. that's subverting expectations. But when things are just completely like. What Boost. happened there? I, yeah, because here's what I was thinking. I was thinking this is what's going to happen. Stallone's going to be killed. You know that they're going to be mad at him and they're going to kill him. And Victor and Lenny will be alone or Lenny will still use his brother. Or Victor will die and Stallone will die and Lenny will be left alone, whatever. And then that didn't happen. And like you said, it's either who knows how this big 
if a director's cut ever came out, which it probably won't, if he called that guy a maggot, if the guy's still alive, he's like, fuck you then. Um, well, no, I think he got free but, of that. I oh, think yeah, he got Later, they, right, they fixed right. that. But uh, I, I think probably the trims are in existence because he got to put together the TV cut. Oh, but okay. from what I read about the scenes in the TV cut, I'm like, there's just more of the yeah. book, the yeah, jiggery pokery shit. I, that I, doesn't... Just, I just recently watched, uh, well, it was last year, my friends, they did a podcast on Superman, the three hour cut, Superman, the movie. I only knew yeah. about like the director's cut. This yeah. is what was on TV in a two parter in 1978. And it's more of not necessarily an assembly cut, but like uh when gene hackman's getting out of the pool it follows him more out of the pool or you know it's a little longer takes and so you're like okay but i but i liked it but that's the thing where sometimes it's like oh i did more stuff well yeah we trimmed it down because it was just cosmo walking from one place to another or this conversation like you said that meant nothing so but i liked i liked victor's character like i said i liked when he said he said, guys like us don't live on houseboats. And I don't know why I can't explain it. There was something in um, who's that director? Who's that comedian? Um, Louis C.K. did him did like a TV series that he did on his on his website and he sold it. And it was like him and Steve Buscemi, Steve Buscemi yeah. had mental issues and he was his brother and he was taking care of him. There was a scene in one of those where they had it was a um, it was it was a saying about like mental illness, but it was about like the violence in the world and about the, um, when I find it, I'll share it guys, but it was a violence in the world. And it was about that Vietnam, that, um, that monk that burned himself, you know, that set himself on fire. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, some people have to do that. To, and at the end it said, um, it said Gary Shandling and it was right after Gary Shandling died. And it was, and he was explaining that, but it didn't explain it on the show. It just ended with that. And I start bawling like a baby because it hit me in some way where I was like, oh, my yeah. God, I don't know why I'm crying like this. This one was the same way. I got choked up and got a little sad where I was like, I was like, oh, my God, like this is him. I go, it's kind of true. Like he couldn't live with Susan on a boat, like, but also it's this thing of inner city kids where you could fight to get out. It's hard to get out, but you can try to make it. And it's, it's also a little bit of Stallone going against himself. What he said about Rocky was that Rocky was good because you're for the guy and the guy doesn't win, but you're for him. And he said in fist, he thinks what they spoiler alert, what they messed up was that they killed him at the end. And you're supposed to root for your hero. And he, and, oh, yeah. You know, and with this, it's like you would think that he would have wrote it a little different. Of like, Cause he's Cosmo's the one who's like, we need to get out. But then he's the he hustler. Comes to this, and then he just suddenly switches. And that's yeah. something that it's not, it, it's not it, fully it, fleshed it, out. Yeah. No. And it just, and I get it. Uh, okay. So now the, the avarice and greed that Lenny is now, because he's been repressing his thing. So then what is it? Is it like the human nature is that bad? Or is it just Lenny's that bad underneath this, this you know, worrisome character or whatever? It's hard to divine, and that's fine. I don't mind and, something vague. Yeah. But Cosmo suddenly switching to this thing. Where, by the way, he's right. If they make a lot of money, they can get out. Yeah. And yeah. yes, he could live on. This is the thing. He could live on a yeah. houseboat. Yeah. 
Stallone could have had a houseboat because at that point he could have had anything he wanted. So it's a strange, I don't know what that is. Like, hey, we're not supposed to. So then what is all of Lenny's pain and and, uh, for nothing? You know, it's, it's, and also they're at the end of the line. He's already gotten beaten up. So just to clarify, folks. So after the the arm wrestling, the interminable arm wrestling scene, which by the way, (laughs) results in, it was all for Cosmo not to win money, but to yeah. win the monkey because he feels yeah. like he will make a lot of money on the street dancing with the monkey who doesn't dance. Now, I have to point out, him on the street, again, freezing to death, yes. uh, with the monkey who he's yelling at, and a bit, I guess that's supposed to be funny. I don't think there's anything funny about it. I'm, I, all I thought was I, maybe Cosmo's mentally ill. I, f- I found it funny because for one, for one, I didn't like them tying that monkey up. He had the, it was kind of cute. It oh. was like a little hostage situation. He had the tape over his mouth. But he was also, cute, but they had him, they had him tied up to like a but, heat pipe or something. Yeah. But then when he's just laying there. And so at first I'm like, oh, he's in the, the monkey is in this woman outfit with makeup. And you're like, is that part of it? But that's not part of it. That's a monkey being like, fuck you. I'm just going to lay here and cosmos doing the dancing so it's saying a yeah. little bit that he's a monkey even the girl is like it's like a good oh point. you're the Actually, dancing that... monkey because he's like look That's, at the dancing yeah. monkey and he's dancing and the monkey's not and he's like dance and the monkey bites at him and he's like okay and he keeps dancing and it's like it's funny in that way but also like quentin says the monkey never comes back then that's the end whenever yeah, see that's what it the monkey's the gone monkey. and what, what was surprising Maybe... what what was surprising that Stallone did want the monkey, but that I was surprised that he gave the whole hundred, but I guess Lenny would have agreed to gave the whole hundred to Victor. And then Victor took it and gave it to Susan. I was kind well, of surprised the hundred that there is, wasn't is from, more of a, Well, the hundred is from when, uh, so Lenny, uh, Lenny is conned into going to Paradise Alley, which Cosmo hears about somehow. We yeah, don't I was thinking know. that was for the arm. No, the arm wrestling all he won was the monkey yeah he he yeah, wagered yeah, 100 yeah, that he didn't yeah, have for the monkey yeah, in order yeah. to interest stitch into the whole thing That's and right. then uh the guy with the bandage nose maybe a nod to chinatown who knows um uh, says that's my monkey that's resolved quickly because he rips the band-aid off and then yeah. a knife is put to stallone's throat and Which, then it all again the tone is so he rips that guy's bandage off and you're like oh this is a cool stallone move but this isn't your stallone 80s movie this is now the guy pulls a knife on him and you're like, oh, shit, like shit just got real. And, and it goes from it three stooges kind of to this. Out. And I like a tone change, but like, it's just like, it's like every second. Yeah. And it doesn't feel intentional. You know, it doesn't feel yeah. like, well, I really want to unsettle settle people and then make them laugh. And yeah. it, it, you don't know. It's, it's opaque at best. Yeah. So then to the Paradise Alley uh, scenes, or Paradise Alley yeah. of it all. Big Halfway yeah. through yeah. the movie, we finally go to Paradise Alley. Yeah. Now, I start to get invested a little bit at this point. because So he cons Lenny into going there. And then I'm kind of fascinated by this incredibly elaborate place, yeah. which, of course, there's a lot of illegal betting and all this stuff mm-hmm. going on. But then even before they show the betting, I'm like, how the, how are they making this much money here? That's what I was thinking. It, yeah. what it, right? And yeah. so no one beats uh, Big Glory. Except the brother who can do it all. Yeah, they have to con him into going there. Cosmo tells him he finds Victor with Susan and uh, not bothering anyone. He goes, "You got to come. You got to come." Lenny's in trouble. Lenny's in trouble. They yeah. get there, and then Lenny says, "I'm not in trouble." Cosmo lied to you again. Why don't you go home, get some ice cream or whatever? Yeah. Then 
he cons him and he goes he gets him to uh wrestle in the ring with big glory he wins we know that that's going to happen yeah. and and it, which is what, fine. get that, aggravated that, what is it? not aggravated get i gotta get annoyed annoyed yeah he goes get annoyed go get annoyed and it's so then he fights that guy what is an interesting scene after that and the guy wins and they go to see him victor and cosmo and they're like well, where's all your money and he's like the manager has it and you know like oh shit the manager's not giving him anything but then he's later the when watching you it for me when you find he's out watching yeah, it for me yeah when you find out though that he knows he's like i just fight for my room and board and that's it and you're like oh shit like he was trying to give them a spin on it to like go and do your thing i used to be a young fighter go ahead and then when it you know when later when he comes to him and he's all beaten and he's you know when it's funny too the when uh cosmo's in that santa outfit and it says macy's on the back like he just stole it from a from a santa at macy's or something um oh by the way one of the uh ex um cutout scenes it's in in the tv thing is i think from what i gleaned on the page mm -hmm. was that he in his santa outfit goes to the dodgy hotel that the gorgeous blonde woman who wants to sleep with him all the time yet he spurns her yeah. um that is like a boarding house and so he, he has some repartee more of his like hey how you doing mrs johnson hey how about hey, yeah i'm santa tonight yeah merry christmas merry christmas <laughs> some of that bullshit that yeah. great that it's so irritating um yeah so those are some scenes that were cut out these are some of the 40 scenes and meanwhile yeah. 40 40 yeah. scenes yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you put 10 of them back, so that means there's 30. And those are the 10 you picked? 30. I'm sorry, I didn't yeah, mean to cut yeah, you off. Yeah. No, exactly. No, <laughs> it's it's interesting. I'm I'm thinking about my review, why I rated this. I'll tell you now, because I'm going to change now that we've been talking. I gave well, it four, I don't mean to be ruining your, it, your no, enjoyment. I gave it four stars out of five. We're not there yet, but I gave it four out of five because I was like, oh, I'm surprised. I thought it was... I didn't know what it was when I got into this. And when it started weird like that, I'm like, oh, my God, I got to watch this whole thing. How many songs does he sing? And then and then it got a little better. And I'm like, OK, I see what they're doing. OK, it's kind of funny. And then the shift changed. And I was like, eh, you know, the tone change. But then when it got to that part of all of a sudden changing of when Cosmo now became likable because he's worried about his brother and that he's friends with big glory and they're out drinking and then when big glory's like i had a hell of a time i'm gonna go jump in the river now he's like why he goes because i'm very happy usually i want to kill myself when i'm down but or most people do but when i'm down i beat up people so now that i'm happy it's time to kill myself and stallone's and i thought when they both lay on those tracks i said is this a setup is one of them gonna pass out get hit by a train and killed and Stallone will either die or that guy will die. What's going to happen? But when he's like, I'm going to kill myself, you're like, what the fuck? Like, again, like you put a knife to his throat. Now we're laughing and joking. And then now this guy jumps and then he goes over the side and you hear the guy go, I can't even kill myself. Right. And he lands on that garbage barge down below. And then you're like, OK, am I supposed to laugh? And Stallone's like, huh? And the guy goes, I told you in 100 years, nobody will care. And he jumps again. And jumps into the water. Jumps for real. Yeah, and you're like, holy I shit! I like that part. That yeah. part I loved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I similarly, excuse me. 
uh, all choked up with emotion. I know. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, um, I was very iffy on it, but I thought, well, it'll make for a good podcast because yeah. this movie's a fucking mess. Yeah. But then when it gets to the point where now, as we said, Victor beats uh, Big Glory. So now he is going to be wrestling a lot and they're training him by throwing all sorts of stuff polluting the river yeah uh and, and stallone's training him and now what big glory said hey kid just remember whoever you have as your handler make it make sure it's someone you can trust so you think oh well it's going to be stallone right but can yeah. he you know but you still don't think he, he would screw over his brother yeah and he didn't but yeah. then uh victor asks lenny to be the handler it's and that's here's, when the here's the other part that i love that that so when lenny when victor goes there and he's like hey lenny i was thinking maybe blah 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 and lenny's like you sound like cosmo right now why don't you go away take a couple minutes and then come back and he just stands up and he thinks about it and he turns around and he sits back down and he's like Okay, I'm ready to talk to you as Victor. You know, he's like, when you're ready to talk to me as Victor, you come back. He's like, okay, now I'm Victor. He's like, okay. He goes, will you do it? He goes, okay, I'll do it. And now you're thinking, okay, cool. Uh, Lenny's life is good. He's with the girl now. Like, you know, Cosmo still hates that, but it's okay. And now they're going to go do this. They're going to make money. How are they going to deal with Cosmo? Oh, and, and, and let's say for the for the folks who don't yeah. who don't know. Uh, there's this ambiguous relationship between Ann Archer and Stallone, but it's pretty clear when she just kisses him on the cheek and, but he's like chasing her like a puppy and is talking to the beautiful blonde woman and all that stuff. And closes the window on him. Well, yeah, but so what happens is Lenny, uh, uh, gets up the courage to go to Ann Archer's. Stallone, who's down the street, sees that or follows him or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, he follows him. And then... He sees Lenny go in. No, no, and then he I, waits. I think, no, he was going. Oh. No, he was. He would just decide to go see Ann Archer, and the doors locked. And he goes <laughs> up the fire escape, and he looks in, and all you see is a cane. That's which right. I was like, that's a good touch. It wasn't Armand yeah. Asante huffing and puffing on her. It was just the cane, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool, <laughs> clever touch. Yeah. And then, um, and then as he, befits the B grade Al Pacino. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Then he goes, but yeah, Al Pacino be doing it. Um, then he goes <laughs> down and he waits. And then there is a cool shot, although it's funny because when you know movie making or you think about it, you're like, so Stallone was just sitting back and then leaned into frame. Like that's <laughs> yeah, all it was. Right. And, and which, then, by the way, so, I was waiting for. I was waiting yeah, for. Yeah. Because yeah, I was like, this is a low angle. And we're seeing yeah. Lenny leave a place that <laughs> yeah. we know he's been. Yeah. And now where's Stallone? Here's Stallone. Yeah. And I said, right, because he, yeah. because Cosmo would be sitting out in the freezing cold all night yeah. long. Yeah, so mad. And then he goes up again to the fire escape, knocks on her window. And she's like in her robe making coffee. And she's like, what do you want? And he's like, what the fuck? Like. I thought we were a thing. And he's like, she's like, no, we're friends. And he gets upset and says some other stuff. And she's like, we are friends. And it's that thing, like you said, where guys are and girls are, where is it? It is that thing where a woman has to go. We're either friends or we're not. Like, if you think something else is going to happen here, it's not. So if we can't be friends, I'm really sad about it. But and that's how she is. She's like, no, we're just friends. And he's like, He's like, well, then screw you. And then he's then he puts the anger on his brother. And when he throws that rock at his brother after Lenny's agreed to go with Victor, 
then he's like, that's the sound of my heart. That's how I feel. Like, is that the clanking of your heart? What I didn't get that. Like what, that's how you feel like a rock being thrown against metal at a shipyard. Like, you know, it's always said, how do you feel today, Philip? Like a rock being thrown at you in a shipyard (laughs) and some metal. And when also he keeps saying you, you would lead me on. Like they were both leading him on. Yeah. And she wasn't leading him on, but that speaks to like a typical male thing of like the girl doesn't want to be with you. You do not want to see all of the signs that she's presented to you. She does not invite you upstairs. She does not kiss Mm -hmm. you on the lips. You do not pass jail, you know, or you don't pass go. Women will tell you, women will tell you, I know from meeting you, I know if I'm going to sleep with you, you know, in a couple of times or whenever. And we all make the mistake, but usually we're younger, you know. But it but, does speak a little bit, if we want to look at the, uh, put a positive spin on Cosmo's, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, shaky grasp on reality. Some, yeah, well, and coming into realizing things, maybe, you know, he never yeah. quite said, but when he, like, when he got with the blonde, when he got with, uh, what's her name? Uh, whoops. What was her name? Bulge? No, Bunch? Bunch. Bungie. Bungie? Bunch. Um, Bunch. Bunch. And he, he calls Bunchy. her Bunchy and Bunchy. stuff. Yeah. When he got with her at first, I'm thinking he's just getting with her. You know, you think he's just getting with her because he can't get with Ann Archer. But then he actually has a thing with her. And when he's given her those gifts at first, you're like, oh, he's he's shitting on her again about being like a prostitute or, you know, being a bed warmer. But then when he gives her the perfume, she gets happy. But again, what sucks is and maybe there was an extra scene, but I doubt it because it ended with I doubt it. You got to go to work. But if there was the extra scene of him being like, yeah, I got you perfume because we're going to go dancing or we're going to go somewhere. I'm going to take you. Which is what I was hoping, because they already had the scene on the roof where he's like, oh, you don't care if I don't have money. You don't care. We're hoping he'd race her. They could jump. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I'm ready to race. He's like, all right, you're going to race? We're going to race? If you win, I'll be your boyfriend. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you come on, you got to hurry up. You got to hurry up. You got to race on the roof. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. Um, that's just an indication, folks, if you haven't seen what he's like in the movie. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of the same tone all the time. He's already been on the roof with her. She says, I love you. He does not say yeah. anything back, yeah. which is lousy. But then... Yeah you're hoping that they're he's waking up to the because at, at this point he's had some kind of moral change he yeah. doesn't want now his brother to be pummeled to, to death which we're shown in an endless montage yeah. of bashing and bone and, and and bumping and money changing hands and all that stuff now okay that's like an old school montage fair yeah. enough seeing kid salami beating yeah. all comers because yeah. by the way they call him kid salami lenny comes up with that yeah at a certain point not only does he have the salamis hanging around his neck, as Lenny suggests, but then there's a, a coat that is festooned with uh, salamis. There's like, yeah, it's like it's a vest goofiest... with, yeah, it's silly. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, when he's like, very... I think you should wear it around your neck. And it's like, and maybe gimmickry was a thing in the 40s, but this is just like, oh, but it's the, another thing that they showed before this, I think, you know, he kept talking about my brother carries ice up, you know, five flights of stairs like you said and he never heaves his breakfast like he's good there's a scene of him carrying the ice up on his back up the stair all the way up the straight stairwell but then he gets to the door and there's no real doesn't knock or anything it's like there's a note there but you don't see anything all you see is him just kind of 
drop his shoulders and then drop the ice. And it's like, is it just to show this really cool shattering of the ice when it hits that landing? That, like, that scene was amazing. That yeah. shot of it, the ice exploding yeah. down the stairs. Yeah. Worth the whole picture. Yeah. 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 For sure. Well, that and what we get to later. So after that montage that you said, then it gets to where they say, okay, oh, wait, I'm sorry. You... To, I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, sorry. And, and, and the, the ice scene is, yeah, yeah, that prefigures the, or proceeds rather the moment where Victor decides I'm going to do this because yeah, people like pop are like, Oh, oh I don't need right. any ice. Yeah. Uh, I bought an this. ice box. Yeah. That and so then you see Lenny sweating, uh, Victor sweating going up the stairs, and you assume uh, you, you infer he's like, Why am I doing this? I could yeah. beat the shit out of people and d actually get the houseboat, you know. Yeah. So, anyway, now that I think I, about I, it, I agree that's with you. What, Why that's, did he... that's what it was, but it didn't show enough. But like we said, he wasn't an actor, actor, but that was him being like, why did I do this? I don't need to. I can make more money and just drop in the ice and being like, fuck it. You know, it's like, you yeah, know, but I mean, it still was there. Yeah. Who was at the top? Yeah. Where was the note? Yeah. And yeah. now they're going to be like, we don't our food spoiled. Yeah, 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 exactly. Or or just, you know, walk up halfway and just put it down and be like, oh, you know, it's, you know, I don't know. But it, it made me think of a scene. John Wick four was too much action when he gets up to the top and then they fight him and he rolls all the way back down and you're like, do I have to see him fight his way back up now? Like what's going <laughs> on? Like, Jesus Christ. But it's like one of the Lord of the Rings. There's like a battle. I, it went on so long. Yeah. Reminds me of something else later in the movie. I was like, I don't know who the fuck is who. It's yeah. just a bunch of shit going on and movement yeah. and guns. And I, yeah. I had, I had that even though I, you hear older people being like, I don't know what happened in transformers. But I remember you kind of know, but sometimes you don't. You're like, who flipped who? I don't. They're both robots. I don't get it. That happened <clears> to me <throat> in this movie, but we'll get to that. But well, something that was so then he's fighting. They do the montage and then they make the bet. And I think I dozed off for a second because I had worked all night. And then I'm like, I'm going to watch this movie. And my wife went to uh, go drink with her friend, although she didn't drink, but her friend did. And they had a really good conversation. And um went for breakfast and drinking um my wife was like i like they call it church when they go on sunday mornings they're like we're going to church um and they have breakfast and drink so uh it's the thing of i doze off for a second i'm like wait did i miss something and it was the but we're betting how much are you betting and it's cosmo being like no and he's like yeah we're gonna bet nine thousand. like we're gonna bet it all also you're thinking how do they make that much? how does joe spinell make that much money joe spinell by the way creepiest guy like looks just greasy all the time perfect oh for, yeah perfect for the maniac perfect for a taxi driver but also and perfect for the really really sleazy awful cop and cruising he's incredible oh, really? in that oh, i you know i have not finished cruising when i first watched cruising like five years ago i remember the part that pulled me out but it was good but the part that pulled me out was strip him naked and put his balls in this thing of water and if they float he's came and if they don't float he hasn't come and you're like what the fuck like what you know was that in the police station yeah 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 where they're interrogating oh yeah yeah that's you know what that was down. that's yeah. actually that's that was uh so this is interesting really uh friedkin based all of that stuff on actual things that cops would do to rattle <laughs> Wow. The uh, witnesses, because so, you know, the guy, the, the big, tall black guy with the jock strap and the cowboy hat. Mm -hmm. 
he comes in and he smacks the guy and then he walks out. And I, people have laughed at that. And I remember being like, what is that? That's an actual thing that the police would do in that time. Because yeah. if the then the witness said, but this and described what had happened, the judge would think he was crazy. So they either wouldn't say it or they would say it and then make themselves who, you know, and, the, and gay people were already looked at askance in, in those environs. Yeah. So all of that stuff was um, found out or given to him by Randy Jurgensen, who is the guy with the mustache in the movie, who was also the real life Steve Burns. He, he was the one who went undercover. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's so anyway, like, but, um... and, 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 and Joe Spinell also in walking the edge uh, of Robert Forster uh, classic that plays at the oh, Bev fairly often. It's available. Go. We did we did Vigilante with Robert Forrester on um, on Forty Second Street Forever on Grindhouse Databases thing, and it was really good. But he just shows up for a second to be a lawyer and then leaves. But there's a thing. This, this he's the head of a bad guy group, and it's fantastic. Uh, and it, uh, there's a Blu-ray available on Fun City Editions, just like Heartbreakers, uh, and it's wonderful. So please to, continue. I need to check it out. There is there's a thing recently. It just showed up. Shows up every once in a while. It's Spielberg watching TV when they're announcing the Oscars. It's around Jaws, 1975 time, and he doesn't get it. And there's a guy standing next to him. And I don't know if it's Spinell or if it's a guy from Phantom of the Paradise, but it's a oh, tall George guy. Memoli or Mamoli. No, no, the, uh, the main guy. No, the main guy uh, from Phantom, the guy that played the Phantom. Oh, uh, 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 Bill Finley, William Finley. Yeah, yeah, William Finley. I think it's William. I Finley, think no, I think it's Spinell. Like, I know oh, okay, this. I, okay. I've seen the photo. I was thinking it's Spinell. If, I was thinking if he knew brian de palma that he would maybe know him but also i was like well this was the 70s they might have met joe spinell at scorsese's house and been like hey you know so yeah, yeah joe spinell was quite a partier with all the yeah folks so they make the deal for the nine thousand. um i need to see Cruiser which is by the way with stitch and his gang anything. yeah the, and, the, and the big match is going to be him up against terry funk his original yeah. opponent yeah and Terry Funk is giving himself an aneurysm with all the grunting and the squeezing yeah, and the, bleeding out. But of the he's nose a genuine article. He looks like a big sausage. He should be salami. He sweats like a sausage. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and um, uh, he, in a clip that I'll send you, because I didn't, uh, it, I'll send it to you. You can put it in if you want or not. Okay. Funk talks about how his dad was a wrestler in a similar kind of circuit as that before people oh, could wow. travel easily from place to place yeah and there's a terrific documentary called beyond the mat that if anyone i saw that uh, once it's yeah terry funk was... is the main hub of that yeah go ahead oh i didn't i i don't well i didn't know terry funk until after he passed away then my cousins i go terry funk and then i'm like oh and then you saw stallone shared the over the top thing and of him being pushed out the glass and then beating the guy up beyond the mat i love when the rock and uh, mankind he's like well we're gonna fight up here we're gonna go up over here and then we're gonna tumble down i'm gonna fight you like and you're like oh it's all laid out and something interesting yeah. about wrestling being is this kind of a wrestling movie there's a thing that just that i just saw today was uh stone cold steve austin kind of either bitching at ewan mcgregor or, or not ewan mcgregor mcconnor mcconnor <laughs> mcgregor of like about ufc he's like He's like, you UFC guys think you're so tough. He's like, imagine going from town to town and having to train in each town 
yeah. and not have your entourage. You're just by yourself and all you have is you. And that's all you're doing is just you. What I do love, and we'll put that clip in of that you're sending me, Terry Funk. studio set of the motion picture Paradise Alley starring Sylvester Stallone. He has created for the cameras a colorful 1940s fight club called Paradise Alley, an authentic recreation with hundreds of costumed extras and a leaky roof. Paradise Alley is the story of three brothers down on their luck in New York City who try to make their fortune by turning the youngest brother into a professional wrestler. Kids celebrate. The film's climax is a spectacular, no-holds-barred battle for which the wrestlers have been rehearsing for several months. Shake him. Right. Yeah. Right, he's There you go. Ah! The man in the, uh, the breeze with the white stripe, his name is He's a, uh, former heavyweight world champion wrestler like his brother and like his father before him. He comes from Amarillo, Texas. He is coming to the picture. He plays Frank the Supper. Aside from his acting role, he's also taken on the incredible chore of teaching Lee Candelito, who has never wrestled in his life, uh, to become a professional wrestler. For the film Rocky, Sylvester Stallone, an actor, played the role of a boxer. For this film, a boxer is being trained to be an actor. He's Lee Canalito, a professional handled by Muhammad Ali's manager, Angelo Dundee. Angelo Dundee called me and he asked me if I had any experience acting, and I told him no, I didn't. And he said that I was being in a movie, and I said, ah, come on, Angelo, you got to be kidding. I said, who's our next opponent? And so he said, no, he was serious. And so Sylvester Stallone called me the next day. He asked me how did I feel about being in a movie, and I was very shocked when he called. And so I come out here to give me a screen test. Then after that, we're in the movies. I saw him on television. I said, there's a slight resemblance, and he can play my giant brother. Up until that point, I was panicking because I thought I was going to have to play this role. And you can see, <laughs> that's oil and water out there. The film is based on reality in the 1946, 47, 48. They used to have club wrestling. And now a wrestler can wrestle in Los Angeles to New York because of the availability of transportation. But back then, it was just as far as a person could go or travel or the area that he was in. My father died while wrestling. And uh, I respect my sport very, very much. And I'm an individual and I'm an athlete. Nobody tells me what to do whenever I'm going to step into a wrestling ring. And uh, it's a very tough type of life. You see movies where they knock it and knock it. Well, this one isn't going to knock it. The Paradise Valley Fight Club was the biggest match that ever take place. The year is 1946. The weather is obviously lousy. And the biggest fight that takes place is the one that's going to take place between Victor Kitsalami Carboni and Frankie DeCumper. After his Oscar-winning success with the boxing scenes in Rocky, Stallone is determined to make the climax of Paradise Alley the most exciting wrestling fight ever filmed.
only one person knows the outcome of this brawl, and I ain't telling. But what I love is him, he, you know, he choreographed this fight with them. There's some moves in here that I have not seen in the in the professional wrestling. There was that move where he had his arm and then he spins him and flips him over his back. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I want to see that in a move in a wrestling. Like, come on. Like, there was some really good stuff where I was like, oh, there was your regular stuff. But then there was the other stuff. The ice tongs it, thing was good when they said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And the, but with the rain and the, you know, on the mat and just, you know, just that whole. Yeah, so, the, so they make the, the bet, fight. like you said, they, yeah. they make this bet because it's going to be, so Cosmo's like, he's going to die. You're going to kill him. And um, someone's like, well, I guess he's lost his good looks or something. Or maybe Big Glorious is something about that. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, he's kind of hammered up. So, yeah. Yeah, Stitch. Yeah, yeah. And, um, He's and Victor's starting to see the scales fall because he asks Lenny how much money they have. And he's like, hey, don't worry. Don't you trust me? So then we're reminded of the thing that Big Glory said. And then we're like, yeah. wow, Lenny's even worse than we thought he was getting. And he's treated Ann Archer like shit. So they've broken up. And meanwhile, that's it for that. There's just no yeah, more. He, he just walks out. Yeah. gone. We're on to the yeah. next thing. Uh, and, and then uh, there's the big thing. There's going to be one more match, as you said. Victor asks him how much they have. Suddenly now, he's going to tell him. At the table, we have nine grand. Okay, we bet 9,000. That's all their money. If they don't lose, they're going to be bust. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, but it's so weird. The end of this is so amped up. That fight is really good. I would say, you say the ice is worth this whole movie. I would say that fight at the end is really good. Is really cool um it's it's good i will say it's very unnerving yeah because as it starts and this oh, place and we is... forgot this is when i thought we forgot the part where cosmo and big glory drive the car through the side of the bar oh right yeah and then yeah. he's and i thought oh my god he's gonna be killed now you know because that's what i'm thinking in my head now the mob guys are gonna be pissed at him and they're gonna kill cosmo and they're gonna do a public enemy uh, you know, the Cagney one where he'll just be a dead body showing up at his brother's house and then they'll be like, oh, shit, now we got to fight for him, you know, whatever. Sure. Yeah. But, but what yeah. happens is but this is before, of course, before <laughs> Big Glory kills himself, which to me yeah. is like the most dramatic. Yeah. And also it's like a fake out that then is like, no, this guy does jump off. And he also when Stallone's indicating that maybe he's going to try to save him or like he wouldn't let him do something like that. Glory yeah. shows him just how strong he is. Yeah. Because he grabs yeah. him and shakes him and he's like, No, don't you try to pull any of that hero bullshit because like it's basically threatening him. Like I'll yeah. basically he didn't say it, but I'll take you down with me. And so he's left there to sort of watch this friend of his drown himself. Yeah. Which is and, super and maybe is that when he makes the switch? Has he already I, made the switch or is that when he makes the switch? Because that would make more sense. Is I think, that when he starts I think that might be when he makes this way because he's sitting there drinking, having fun. And he kind of understands for one, when he's like, what happened to your money? And he's like, I'm just doing it for room and board. And now he realizes, Oh, and this is what he used to, you know, he has that picture. What he used to look like used to be, you know, lean and mean. Yeah. 
And so I think that makes a change. But it's again, it's that weird thing. I don't know any movie that would do a suicide and then have the guy be like, oh, you didn't die. And then the guy kill himself, you know, try it again and succeed. Which that's I think no, that's that's one of the coolest things. That's like that shows the invention capabilities of Stallone. Yeah. And I think it's True. frustrating because you know he wrote Rocky and you love Rocky. <clears throat> you love Rocky too. You even love Rocky three. I do anyway. Rocky mm. four, nah. I never saw Rocky five. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I did. Yeah. That's the one with the robot, right? The stupid fucking no, robot. No, no. Rocky four with the robot, but he just recut that so they don't have the robot in it. Rocky. Oh, really? Wow. Tommy Machine Gun Morrison, who was like a real boxer at the time. And then he brought him in and then he has to fight him fist to fist out in the street because he can't fight anymore because he got Sugar Ray Leonard type thing where if he fights, he'll go blind. So oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, saw, I think fighting. I saw like five minutes of five uh, yeah, and I was like, no, yeah. thanks. It's yeah, horrible. no, thanks. I didn't see the, the revival thing or whatever, the reimagining. Yeah, but, the Bobo uh, and the Creed and. But that. but he's yeah. like a Burt Reynolds type where when he's really good and when he's sort of focused and like doing his thing, he's yeah. great. But yeah. then there's a lot of other times. Yeah. So this would be a mix and match because that to me, that scene, let's yeah. say that's worth the whole movie. That yeah, plus the feel, ice. Yeah. It feels a little improv. It feels they're having fun. They're drinking and, you know, it's and it's unexpected in the good way. Yeah. 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 Like I said, I was I was like, are they going to do this fall asleep on the track thing? And then he's like, I'm going to kill myself now. I'm happy. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, where did this come from? Yeah. And it but shows you... the bleakness of the whole environment and how these people are just chewed up and spat out. Yeah. And it's sort of foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think this is actually, this is where they make the switch. But no, Lenny's already been doing this kind of things. But this is where you can understand him being like, I don't want you to fight anymore. I don't buy it when they're in the middle of the nine grand match. And he's like, you don't have to keep doing it. You can stop. Yeah. No, actually, he can't. He can't yeah. stop now. Yeah. And, and it's, then it, it's, yeah, it's, it's the thing. It's the, what really got me was something about a 22 second match or the 22nd match. That's what it was. And he's like, I'm going to fight. Cause there was no end to this fight. Like you just die or whatever happens. No holds and, barred. Yeah. yeah. And, um, there's a movie. Um, <laughs> 20, <laughs> it was a movie. Um, I saw I've that seen it way too many times. When yeah. I saw it in the theater, I loved it. And then I watched it like five years ago. I was like, oh, my God, I like that. Um, well, I like it because it's so awful. That's what yeah, I like yeah, about it. Yeah, exactly. But it's the thing of the 22nd match. He goes to fight. You know, he's fighting again. Um, was that when he elbowed him? Said disqualification. And that the bad guy hit him. You know, Terry Funk hit him wrong. And he's like, disqualification. And then he, Joe Spinell says that, and he goes, what? Stitch goes, what'd you say? And he goes, oh, never mind, winner. And then they go, yeah. no, that's bullshit. And now it's the 22nd match or something round. And they go to fight, and he wins, beats up Terry Funk, and uh, Victor wins. And they go, well, what did you fight for? So you thought you were going to lose anyway or whatever? And he's like, why? And he's like, because... You're my brothers. Why the 22nd round? Why did you wait till now? Didn't you know I was born on the 22nd? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, They go, oh, you crazy guy. You. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So he was going to throw the match. Yeah. Yeah, He's going to throw the match, possibly risk brain damage in the process. Yeah. Throw away Uh, the 9,000. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And just lose everything. 
Yeah. Uh, just to just because then we can go back to being brothers. Yeah. I don't They'll think be he's more that pissed. Dumb. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We can be in worse situations <laughs> and have to stay in the same room together again. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. And then um, the end stop. It just stops. Also, ba- okay. Here's something we didn't mention yet. This okay. place is full of lights, full of lights. Yeah. It starts raining at the at the. It's raining outside, and then it starts raining inside. Yeah. Now, I have to say, this element on its own is fantastic because I'm like, this is not making me nuts, but like, yeah. I'm like, how is everyone would get electrocuted? I don't. What's going on? Yeah. And I'm I'm thinking about like safety at concerts. I don't know how they could do that. Sometimes they can, sometimes they yeah. can't. Um, this is going on forever and the water is piling up and the lights are swinging and the lights are dancing. Incidentally, yeah. it's under a building. It's a basement bar. Yeah. It's not, is that how hard it's raining? That it's going straight through all those six floors of the tenement or whatever? Like, under. It's like when they wrecked, they wrecked into the wall. And it's like, it didn't tear the roof down. Like, why is the roof, you know, why is it? Wait, but is that part of the same bar? I thought that was back at Stitches. I thought, I thought that's where, oh, Paradise Alley is a different. I think it's a different spot. I think. Yeah. Because. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But even still, even still, like the rain would be coming in. But like you said, there's no reprisals. They, 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 before Glory kills himself, they're driving uh, Victor's ice truck, which is very thoughtful of them to go steal Victor's ice truck. They're tearing uh, that thing up. Like, yeah, and they knock off the back thing, and then the next shot, it's on. Oh, I didn't know. That's funny. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's, it's the one mistake made in the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Only one. Yeah. I'm, so now I'm really trying to think of what I liked about this movie, but I think it was because it it took me for because at the time I was thinking, OK, this is different than what I thought. It started out horrible. It got better. Yeah. Then with that switch of them, I kind of like that. OK, now. But I didn't think about how quick it was, but I was like, oh, now Cosmo's worried about his brother. And now Lenny's the asshole. But then, like you said, right at the end, Lenny now is good. You know, Lenny, yeah, now they're all like good Cosmo, again. Now they're all good again. Yeah. Now they're all good. I did like the change, but again, it was quick. I yeah. didn't mind it at first because I thought, oh, okay, so Cosmo's a real person. Because even when he's bitching about them leading him on, I'm like, you're not like you're not living in reality. <laughs> yeah. And you're disturbing, and you're a creeper. Yeah. And also, uh, your hair, which he goes, it's my trademark. I don't know if men wore their yeah. hair like that in that time period. Yeah, yeah. Sailors yeah. did wear earrings, though. I looked it up briefly. Oh. Okay. So whatever, you know. Yeah, but that's yeah. neither here nor there. Um. What was I going to say? Uh, oh, oh, this is very important. Okay. I didn't know who the fuck was who in the ring. Half the time oh, they're fighting. One has green trunks. One has black. The lighting effects make it so I can't tell. I don't know. And they're just swinging each other over, smashing into the water, swinging each other. Sma- and at one point, yeah. it looks like they're just ro- like a at, loop. At one point, yeah. At, yeah. And they're at the end. They're just doing like Taekwondo flips over the over the hip or whatever. And it yeah, just, and the camera's moving, and then they're flipping too, and I just go. That's very true. I would fuck? have. I would have to look and be like, "Wait, okay, green, okay, oh wait, okay, which yeah. one?" You know, and then until they're standing up, and you go, oh, "Okay, it's a skinny guy or whatever." But and I thought maybe they're all going to get electrocuted. That's one thing that thought I thought, mm-hmm. and then yeah. I thought maybe Victor's going to die, like a yeah. million dollar yeah. baby thing. That's I haven't seen I it, but it yeah. Could, yeah, it got ruined for me. So I was like, "Fuck it, I'm not going to watch it." Um, My wife it, hated that that happened. She was like, "I was into this movie," 
And then all of a sudden she said she went to see us before we were together. She went and saw it in the theater. And then all of a sudden that happened. She's like, what the fuck? Like I'm rooting for this girl. And then, you know, they, uh, she gets whatever. Unplugged. I got to say though, I like those endings. I like yeah. the wrestler. I thought the wrestler was incredible. The way yeah. it ends is the way it had to end. There's no yeah. other way yeah, for yeah. that story to go. It's, you know, it's but, the thing we were talking about because we're on the show. We did dirty, Mary, crazy, Larry. And in oh, yeah. that, it ends with the car hitting the train. If you ever saw the Fall Guy, they had that scene in it. Oh, okay, yeah. Beginning of the Fall Guy, they have that yellow car hitting the train and bursting into flames. Um, but that's them driving the car, and they hit the train. They all die, all three of them. And the movie does really good, but they can't bring them back now. They're already dead. Like we already killed them. <laughs> like sorry, it's like oh shit. Um, but yeah, sometimes my wife doesn't like the ambiguous endings that are like weird. But I could really see somebody taking this or taking that book or whatever. Like I said, the Safdie brothers, you know, just because the guy looks like the guy. If they took Benny, I think it's Benny Safdie and put him yeah. as Victor and, you know, got maybe the real Al Pacino instead of no Al Pacino's too old to play uh, Lenny. Um, Al Pacino is really good in Scarecrow. Um, yeah, he could play I want to see that. Oh, that'd be good. You yeah. want to hear a sad new Beverly story? Uh Oh, okay. go ahead. I had I was going through this horrible breakup with someone who was just did a lot of bad things and I was bummed and I went to New Beverly mm -hmm. and I went to an Al Pacino double feature. Now mm -hmm. I knew that these were going to be grim movies, but I've wanted to see them for a long time. Panic in Needle Park and Scarecrow, two Jerry Schatzberg directed films. I've not seen Panic in Needle Park, but go ahead. I haven't seen the whole thing either because oh. Oh. it's. I look, I love a brutal movie. This is a brutal movie about heroin addicts in New York. Broke, yeah. desperate. But I'm already having a fucked up day. I don't feel good. Yeah. I'm really in a not great place. I get there. I have a hot dog. I have some popcorn. And now the movie's on. And about 20 minutes in, there's a scene where uh, there's a room full of junkies. And they're all talking about their big plans, about what they're going to do with their lives. And you, you know, with the subtext being, you know that none of them are going to. Yeah get to there if they live while this is going on an entire the whole shot is like this with a junkie fixing his arm so for about a minute wow. there's a yeah. close-up on the guy tying off the vein bulging mm -hmm. it, it it's great it's super disturbing but i went yep not today this is not the day yeah and i've really wanted to see both of those for a long time i get up and i go out I'm walking to my car and Brian goes, Oh, hey, what, what, uh, are you, where are you going? You're not leaving, are you? And I said, I said, but I, you know, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, this, it's been a terrible day and I just, I'm not in the mood and, and, and it's, it's, it's a great movie, but it's just, uh, well, are you sure? Cause, uh, you're going to come back for the second movie, right? And I said, Well, I, maybe, I mean, I, I live kind of five, five minutes away and, well, yeah, make, make sure you come back for the second movie. I go, Oh, uh, um, he goes, it, it, it's, a, it's a great, it's a beautiful print. I said, yeah, IB Tech, I heard so. And he's like, just come back. Make sure you come back. I said, okay. I get to my car. I go, I'm not, I'm not fucking coming. Ah, it's a shit. I'm going to go home and eat and try to go to sleep. Yeah. The next day, I tell my neighbor, my friend Kieran. Mm -hmm. And he says, oh, wait, was that the night? You mean the night that Quentin brought Al Pacino in to talk to everyone about the... Oh, and I was like, oh, my... What? Motherfucker. Because oh. okay, Al's in both of those. I was like, yeah. are you fucking kidding me? Oh. You're, you're fucking kidding me, right? Yeah. Because uh, that would have turned my day a little bit yeah, brighter. Yeah, exactly. But oh. there, I learned a valuable lesson. Everyone listening and those mm. not listening, tell them. Yes. yes. If you're at New Beverly and they suggest you stay, they can't 
divulge any secrets. Yeah. If anyone suggests to you on the staff that you do something, just do it. It's probably yeah. going to work out better for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's those things that we were kind of going to talk about before I get to this rating on this uh, movie. Oh well, yeah. Uh, somebody's rating. Um, it's the thing that we were saying about, you know, follow your dream. That's good. Stallone did that came out here and was like, you know, I can't get a job over there. Like, okay, I'll yeah. come here. And that, you know, Henry Winkler helped him like all that and writing this thing and writing a book of it. And so maybe the book is really good. And maybe that's also why Quentin likes that more because you get more out of the book. It's just like when you watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's good. When you read the book that he wrote after, you're like, oh, that fills in all the gaps. I know if Brad Pitt killed his wife or not. Spoiler alert. Yes. And so I love like, that oh, chapter. Great. Yeah. And yeah, the whole stuff, the brandy stuff is good. Um, well, I just I gotta interrupt for a sec. Yeah. Uh, I saw um, uh, a very um, uh, well versed uh, film commentator talk at length in some post about how the book just like like that Tarantino like salivates over violence against women. And I thought, I don't know. To me, everyone gets the same treatment. Like in yeah. Hateful Eight, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee is treated just as badly as anyone else or as yeah. anyone else is treating anyone else and yeah. she's also the most blood curdlingly evil one of all of yeah. them so yeah. i don't know where that sticks i mean I, anyway that's just that a point whole, I to throw out there that whole scene just on her we're in cahoots um i love that part but the scene of just on her when she's like and you ride into town and how many is that? And Joe Cage off camera. They don't have to cut to him. He's just like 10 strong, 10 strong with five more, blah, blah, blah. And she's just going off. And it's so great just on her. And then when you like before I used to be like, oh, the girl from Fast Times at Richmond High. Nah, she's all right. But then you watch something like Rush and you watch that and you watch that Good Times movie and you watch um, anything she done, And then you find out that her dad is Vic Morrow and you're like, oh my God, like, you know, so good. Um, and by the way, before we go off Jennifer recently, anyone yeah. who's really into her, check out a podcast called Fearless Pretender. It is a podcast devoted to the filmed output of Jennifer Jason Lee. I didn't realize she was in that many things. She's been in a lot of stuff. I, and they cover every single one. I'm on the Easy Money episode and the upcoming Men's Club episode, which was also a very shitty movie. Not that I'm no, sorry. This is not right. a shitty movie. It's just right. like, I'm like, what did I just watch? I'm very happy we watched it for here, but please uh, continue. Very true. A, I, a I remember not seeing Jennifer Jason Lee for a while since Rush and Miami Blues. And then all of a sudden I'm watching Road to Perdition and she's his wife. And I'm like, holy shit, there's Jennifer Jason Lee. Awesome. And yeah, she's great. Like in everything. Um, yes, I, uh, I'll get to Pauline Kael's review on the New Yorker pan the film writing as a director. Stallone shows no more feeling for visual modulation than as Cosmo. He does for a vocal modulation <laughs> and all his capacities here. He's trying to get a hammer lock on your emotions. You feel he'd reach out from the screen and grab you by the throat if he could. As a writer, he's a primitive mining the mass media without any apparent awareness of how stale his ideas are. Doesn't he know that there are a lot of us who have seen the same plays and movies he has? 
Aren't we even expected to remember Rocky? Stallone tries to work our emotions in exactly the same ways, and there's no surprise to the shamelessness this time. End quote. So I get that too, where that ending, where like I said, if that was written a little better, that one, at least take that, add a scene in there of not so why 22nd? Because didn't you know, bum, 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 you know, it's like, no. Yeah, like there could have been an after, like there could have been like a couple scenes after that. I don't know. Or just just like the big win. Or just like you said, left it at you won, but he was expecting like, like he says in his documentary, which is really good. Everybody check it out because he's not the dick that you think he is. And I remember I was working with a girl at the hotel. I do security and one of the hotels. It was a girl who was in some, uh, some TV shows of, uh, uh, can't think of them TV shows on USA. She was on like a renegade episode and she was like, Oh my God, Lorenzo Lamas was like, don't touch my hair. Like he was a real asshole. And yeah. And then she was on uh, her. She knew a woman that was on Copland. There was this redhead girl mm. and they were she was dressed as a cop and they're walking across the set uh, across just the studio lot and Stallone walks by and it's almost like a Joey from Friends. He was like, how are you doing? Like looking her up and down and she's like creepy. They're both like, oh, gross. And another story she told this one, I kind of love, even though I like uh, uh, J- JBD. Um, JCVD. Um, so she's she's gonna she's up for the part of nowhere to hide that uh that uh Arquette got that Roseanne Arquette ended up getting. So she goes, I'm sitting there, we're supposed to read. Uh Jean-Claude Van Damme comes in, spins a chair around, sits backwards like he's some jock in high school, sits backwards in the chair, and they do the scene, and then I think he said in front of her, like she's not good looking enough. We need somebody better looking. And they were like, wow. okay. And she was like, what a fucking dick. And then Rosanna yeah. Arquette got the part. Um, but I did like that. There's a water tower scene that he has to get in the bulldozer and push the water tower over to put out the fire. And I just remember like my heart was pounding. I was like, Oh my God, it was really cool. Kieran Culkin's in that movie. But anyway, um, so in this Pauline movie, Kale did not like it. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I get it's it's that thing of like it's it's the hubris. It's like you said, the respect, but not the hubris. I keep saying that the respect, but also the balls to be like, I'm going to sing the theme song. Are you sure? Like you wrote and directed it like we're good. Like, why don't we just have a Bill Conti music to that slow motion running? nope or have your have your do... fucking brother sing it yeah, yeah. like we you got... did like you're gonna do in a few years to staying alive yeah where you cut out bg's songs yeah. yeah in order to have your brother actually <laughs> playing in the film yeah and have uh, him be the lead single that was another you know, like one that my, that was another one my mom took me to she was like she was like oh staying alive let's go see it and i'm like okay and we go and i was bored because i had never seen or seen part of saturday night fever and all i knew was oh that's john travolta and she's like, oh, and it's like Stallone like walks by him for a second. That's my favorite moment. That it, summarizes but... that that right there is the yeah. summary moment of everything. Yeah. That is everyone carried away with up. themselves. He's yeah. Huge fur coat. Yeah. That's guess what? Guess guess who rewrote that movie? Sylvester Stallone. Wow. It's it's the thing of 
that comes off as a comedy when he walks by Stallone that Beverly Hills cop did with those two guys in the Michael Jackson jackets and pants. And that's like funny, but the other one is not funny, but this, like I give it to him like, Hey, I'm going to sing the song. Okay. I wrote this epic. Okay. I'm going to make the whole thing. And then they go, well, we can't really, you know, it's, but also was it that good or is it him just thinking it was good or something, you know, but if Tarantino says he read the book and other people say it's good, but as a movie, leave it as a book, then don't, you know, just leave it alone. Well, because I didn't know that it was a book first. I thought it was a novelization, so I didn't know that. Part. Right. Yeah. But th- it is interesting, but I'm not compelled to read the book. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's where I had a thing. There was a movie called Framed with Joe Don Baker that me and Rob found out for $500. It's like hard to find, but you can get the book for 500 bucks. I was like, I'd pay 500 bucks for that book. That sounds awesome. Written by some ex-cons about escaping from prison. Yeah. Well, check out archive.org because I found the novelization, a scan of the novelization of Blowout. Oh, there. Cool. So you might be able oh, to find dude. a scan of yeah. that and yeah. save you shelling out. I did. Is that somewhere I found the, because I read the uh, script that um, John Milius wrote for the legend of um, Judge Roy Bean, The uh-huh. Life and Times of Judge Roy Bean. So I read his script. His script legend of Billy Jean. No, the legend. <laughs> that we go. You mix those two together, and you're John Milius presents of, the yeah. legend of Billy Jean. Yeah, yeah. Christian Slater and Helen Slater. Yeah, not yeah. related, but yeah. No. Um. Great film, by the way. It's interesting. I remember seeing that. There was another one that we're on a tangent now. Remember that one with. Uh, it had um, Charlie Sheen in it, and they were like killers. They killed people. It's called Boys Next Door or something like that. Yes. Oh, that came up on another movie club I did with that Maxwell was, Caulfield that and Grease 2. That's who it was. Yes. Uh, who's that guy? Where did he come from? Who's that, <laughs> who's guy? that guy? What makes him so special? Yeah. And how do I get one? Reproduction. 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 Yeah. Da, 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 I saw da, that in the da, theater. Da. And it was, I remember I wanted to be that guy. I was like, can I, how do I transform myself to be somebody different? Can I just show up on a motorcycle to high school? That would be awesome. You got a great head of hair. I got to tell you. Yes. Here's one little funny thing about Grease 2 that I forgot to put in my movie club, which incidentally should be available. No, it will be available in the next two, three weeks. So go check it out. It's with Eureka O'Hara. And it's very long, in-depth analysis of the film, the production, the songwriting and all that. Cool. Uh cool writer michael maxwell caulfield mm-hmm. throughout the film he's the pianist at the auditions for the big um what you might call it talent show uh-huh. and so he's now the guy playing piano for the talent show cool writer slash michael disappears they don't know where he is they're all worried about him michelle pfeiffer can't stop thinking about him to the point that she dissociates during the girl for all <laughs> seasons number yeah. and uh but meanwhile there's piano playing. Who's playing the fucking piano? Michael is the pianist. <laughs> Michael's the pianist. Yeah. <laughs> also, Hilarious. during the Rockahoola Luau. Yeah. Take a good look at the lips the next time. The song wasn't written when they did that number. The songwriters were on set writing to the. Wow. 
That's how rushed into production it was. So if you look at their mouths, they do something that they call in the drag world watermelon bubblegum. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Drag queens who get the lyrics, they just go, yeah. and it, you know, like, bubble, yeah, bubble, bubble, bubble. My, my dad was at a bar where they were like, we're going to film a movie. We need extras. And they said, just say rhubarb watermelon. And so my dad was like, <laughs> rhubarb watermelon. And that made you look like you're talking. Yeah. But, yeah it's so uh, uh boys next door great movie penelope's fear is directed it is brutal it's yeah. excellent though yeah i remember seeing that and i was like oh my god but uh speaking of greece too i used to hate adrian's med and especially <laughs> when then he was on tj hooker i'm like what the fuck are you doing on my show but i liked him in bachelor party but i didn't like mm. that he seemed and some people seem this way like you said stallone you think for this documentary he's going to be an asshole just like the stories that i've told but I think he understands and the stories that you hear from Cobra of him always in the in the trailer, fucking Bridget, uh, Bridget Nielsen and not Karen when uh, the big guy's like, what's my character? And he's like, shut up. Um, just be mean. Be a bad guy with a knife. Yeah, yeah. Well, he had his ego dickhead phase for sure. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to seeing the documentary because I'm a big fan of his. Like, yeah, I think yeah. He's great. And yeah. uh, this. So my uh, feeling on the film is like I'm very interested in not actually not interested in why Tarantino likes it. I think I get why he likes it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's great that he likes it so much. It's not for me. I don't want to see it again. And I'm, uh, it's funny. I almost saw it when it played New Beverly. And I almost wonder if I'm glad I didn't. I yeah. think this was the perfect way to see it it's, and make use of the what of it all. It, so go ahead. it is interesting. And it's also very interesting that a guy who had basically a blank check from the studio made this. I even think that the transitions are clunky in the editing. I know that they're going for a 40 style, but they all just sort of feel off somehow. I mean, I know that the drab look is intentional, but I don't like it. Yeah. Um, the, it's, the, the, it again, the nerve to sing the theme song yeah, while you're yeah, running in slow-mo. Yeah. But one of the things I think Tarantino loves about it, and understandably and justifiably so, when he saw it, he it's an aspirational thing. To First, it's about getting out of a situation. Now, he yeah. comes from and a lower he was economic... 14, yeah, he was 14 when he saw yeah. it. 14 when he saw it and he knew that Stallone had written Rocky, you know, he knew the whole story. So they, he could see himself in that. And that he was like, um, not an icon, but like a guiding light. For yeah, him. yeah. And the yeah. fact that he had the nerve to write the song, like to take chances and stuff. And I also think that perhaps Tarantino really likes the, uh, gear character in breathless and Cosmo in this because they're, they, they act the same way. Yeah. They're just like, hey, baby, how about they're like playing this cartoon. They're like not real people. Yeah. So there's something interesting about that. And also Tarantino's a very fast talker. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Very true. Yeah, there was that uh, that funny story with him with PTA where that uh, Fiona <laughs> Apple told about how they were all on coke and they were just. Well, she said uh, they, they, she was like, if it, the how the reason the way I quit cocaine, you would, too, if you spent a whole <laughs> night locked in Quentin Tarantino's personal theater with Paul Thomas Anderson. And, and I, I remember saying to a friend, I was like, that actually sounds like a really good time. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's like I said, like where I'm outside the theater of new Bev talking to you where I'm like, am I talking too much, but I'm explaining ET to you. And I'm talking about fucking return of the Jedi, like all kinds of weird shit. And you were like, uh-huh. Okay. Go to sleep. 
I was like, okay. no, 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 no. Um, Stop no, saying I, that about yourself. No, no. We um, were talking about movies and stuff. I know so. it that's well. And then that was the other thing about being excited to go to the new Bev meeting Rob on that first day and then us going to the bar and having drinks and then you and I meeting and I was like, cool. And then also just going to the Pat and Lorraine's to have breakfast where Reservoir Dogs was filmed and going to see Carrie Fisher's grave and Liberace. And uh, uh, I always want to say, I said on the last one, Ricky James, Ronnie James Dio um, and uh, Betty Davis and all that. But anyway, um, I didn't notice anything that T Tarantino liked other than, yes, the coming, you know, doing your thing. And, you know, so kudos to him. Our star rating system here. Now you really got me question and one to five, five being the best. I had rated this movie four out of five. When I got done with it, I was like, that was, that was good. That was better than I thought. It's one of those better than I thought. And then talking to you, which is good about the show, because sometimes I'll go, I was going to give it three. Let me move it up. Or like with hard bodies where I'm like, I give it a, a three. And then the other guy, I give it one or one and a half. I'm like, oh shit, maybe I should drop it down. So I would say, I'm going to say three and a half for the effort, that fight, the ice and the, uh, what's I getting? McCray. Like that was all. Frank there. McCray. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll give it a 2.5, um, right. mainly because I think yeah. I heard you were, you gave that rating to some other one on, on the show recently, and I liked 2.5 because it's it's right in between. It's yeah, between yeah, 1 and 5. It's half. Yeah, that's where I feel like 2.5 is good, where you're like, it was good. I'm not going to watch it again, but it's you know right in the middle. And so, like I said, I give it 3. Did I say 3? Because little, you know, that little extra, you know. And sure. And, and I... I enjoyed watching it. I didn't like it that much, but it's it's funny because first I thought I because I was going through kind of these questions in my head and I was like, I could see me. I wouldn't buy this, but I could see watching it again. And now that we've talked about it, I'm like, yeah, I think I'm good. I think there is that weird tone, the tone back and forth, like oddness, the thing of the character switching so quick. You know, I like Armand Asante plays it really well. But then just the, all that stuff happening so quick, all of a sudden him and Ann Archer are done and, you know, and everything. Th that, that's the thing. There was a lot of things just dispatched with quickly because it was like convenient to get to yeah. the next thing. That's yeah. something I didn't care for. I, yeah. I, and I, I really wanted to think about what Tarantino saw in it. And I think that that's interesting. Uh, like the other great thing is I, I thought, you know, there's so many movies you mentioned that are B movies or this movie mm. or that kind of movie that are yeah. not like, um, you know, the, the, uh, venerated films. And then you watch me go, this is a great movie. And I love that kind of thing too. Finding something that's disregarded. Like for instance, cop and a half. Yeah. I love that fucking movie. It's great. Rent a cop yeah. really good too. Yeah. It's bizarre. Uh, and someone could say that about the same, some could say the same things about that, that it's not, not but still tonally it's kind of, but I think that, yeah, my guess is anyway. I don't know the guy, but based mm -hmm. on his love for strange, um, you know, strange uh, elements and Outlier, things. That the, yeah, yeah. It's a weird movie. It's a weird movie, but it's almost like a Tommy Wiseau weird. But the thing yeah. is, we love Tommy Wiseau. Sort of. I don't really. I'm not that big in it. Right, right. We yeah. love Ed Wood. At least the idea of him. We love Dolomite, or at it's least the idea of him. And what that represents, and I, though Stallone is a far more accomplished, talented, and sophisticated filmmaker, the idea that he just was gung ho about this, yeah, 
I appreciate that. And I know that, that again, Tarantino's into that, but also this tone shifts. So that's why I'm giving it a 2.5. Uh, the ambition with it, the drive, the like relentlessness to mm -hmm. make it. Yeah. Um, I got to say, one thing I forgot to mention is I did not care for the sloppy uh, ADR because when he's talking to Ann Archer in the street, I'm like, he sounds like he's in a dubbing studio. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know, I don't mind ADR stuff. Friedkin, uh, a lot of times, would replace every sound and, uh, all the time. But this was like, can you not have some street sounds? Can you not have yeah. some street noise? Yeah, put something and, in there. Yeah. Yeah, put it's something like, in there. You know, you know, old Ugo horns. What, go ahead. Something, something that'd be funny. Uh, something real quick that I didn't notice until my dad brought it up to me was on the show Star Trek. There's a noise. There's an ambient noise of like their AC, whatever. You being on a spaceship mm -hmm. is like, boom, like some kind of. And he's like, I like to go to sleep to that. It calms me. It's like a vacuum or something. And I'm like, I never noticed it until you brought it up that there is a sound when you listen. Like there's this background of just it's just the ship, you know. But yeah, I could see I could see for one him liking like the Canon pictures. And he says he knows one of the guys there in Israel, that one guy's still alive from Canon. That I think it's them, uh Golan. I think of, isn't it? I think no, so. No, no, no. It's uh oh, it's Globus, Globus. The other one. Globus of, is alive, I think. Of him of them just being like, we're going to make a movie. And they were almost one of the big three, big studio, you know, whatever they were moving up to be a big studio. And then, yeah, unfortunately the bubble burst, they did too much, but same thing. Me and Eric talked about on life force. Life force is a good movie. I like it. And it's that thing of, we're going to give you $2 million or whatever they gave him and go make your movie. And he's like, Oh, great. Like I'm a kid in a candy store. I can do whatever I want. Toby Hooper never sang the life force song i don't think that would be good to find life force um, <laughs> but we well, uh, you know the budget on this was like six or seven million on paradise yeah, that's what's crazy where but but also like i said the kudos to be like i have this epic in my head this is what i have before rocky like this is my thing and then to actually get it out was probably and sometimes like i've said i'm not a director because I can't explain what's in my head, how to get it. Like my thing was always when I was, I was working on some short films that I wanted to make with my friend Sergio. And I was like, I was like, you know, it's like that scene in seven when he's by the garbage can, he's got the gun to Brad Pitt's head and it's raining. And my buddy goes, I don't remember every fucking scene from every movie. And I go, what's an iconic scene? Like, he's like, no, I go, well, I want something like that. Or I want something, you know, that's all I would be. And that's why, you know, no, like a lot I've, of people do that. I mean, like that's I've said before of... that I, I love Tarantino because he'll take something and spin it where mine would just be like, I liked I liked in here when they had wrestling in the water. Can we do that again? Like that would be me just remaking that scene, you know? <laughs> well, also, I think he, he can see, like not he can see stuff that we can't see, but just like how I feel like I'll see something and I'll be like, you know, come here, you guys, you should see this thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, and he loves what he loves. And yeah. um it brought us to talk about it, which is great. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. That's well, the biggest thing is is like you and I've said we've stayed away from this movie for whatever we heard something about it, or you have an album that says Stallone sings, and you're like, no thanks. You're like Frank, and you're like, oh Sylvester, no thank you. But that um, actually made me more interested. But then I listened to it and I was like, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, it was. Uh, but it was fun. It was what it is. I can't wait to get to what we're getting to next week. But first, Phil's film favorite of the week. This one was interesting. Two directors, 
George A. Romero and Dario Argento. Have you seen The Two Evil Eyes from 19? No, and I, I really need to because I love both of them. It's I don't know if you have Criterion Channel. It's on the Criterion Channel. And um, uh, Adrian Barbeau's in the first one, George Romero. And so it's like, you know, the uh, what was that? Edgar Allan Poe. Well, I'll tell you what they're about right now. A, a duo of Edgar Allan Poe adaptations about a greedy wife's attempt to embezzle her dying husband's fortune and a sleazy reporter's adoption of a strange black cat. So that's the second movie. Um, I give it 3.5. Dario Geno. So it's that one where I watch it and I like Adrian Barbo. Okay. Is she going to get naked? No, just down to her bra, but okay. I'll take it. Um, and then it's the thing of like, then they try to kill her rich husband and then he's kind of still alive, almost like a zombie. And it becomes this weird thing. Then on the next one, and that's what else I talk about. George Romero, who knows if he really likes zombies or just then that became a thing. And he's like, I got to do that. And that's what else we were kind of going to say on this whole thing was about like, if you want to do something, do it. You and I like movies. So we do movie podcasts. If you don't like, and you do a lot of music stuff, if you don't like it, then don't do it. You know, some, like my wife was like, Oh, I'm making this much money doing security or doing a, being a nurse at a psych hospital and making 60 bucks an hour. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but are, is that going to mess with you? And you're going to start hating everybody or whatever. And now she it's things weren't the management over there. Wasn't very good. So she was like, no, I'm going to take a pay cut and I'm going to go do uh, you know, work at this other place for like $45 an hour. And it's like, yeah, she goes, I'm going to focus on myself. It's like, that's the thing. Like do what you want to do, but also you can have a hobby or you could work at your hobby or you could just, you know, it's like when she's like, you know, you pay, you know, like today when she goes, you're going to be on that podcast for four hours. I go, no, I won't. While ago, she wrote me, I told you four hours. Uh, <laughs> I was like, how dare you? I go, no, we were talking before. Um, but it's that thing of like, like Stallone being like, I'm going to drive out to L.A. Like Lady Gaga being like, I'm going to just fucking grind until I make it. And yeah, she does. And it's all those great stories that you hear Quentin and Roger and all that, where a lot of times I remember my cousin was like, I want to do YouTube and he would do it a little bit. And I was like, no, you got to. I said, Lily Singh, who for a second was on NBC late night, she took over for um that guy from TRL. Um, she was grinding in YouTube doing these things. She dressed like her parents. She's an Indian woman. Yeah. And she dressed like her mom or her dad. And she's real funny. But she was like, she would come back from a meet and greet and have to go right into making another skit for the morning, a skit for the morning because it's time to put it out. And my cousin was like, I don't know why nothing's going. And I'm like, because for one, it's a grind. And for two, you yeah. can't be focused on that. You got to be focused on I enjoy no, doing this. And that's the thing. But I'll let you talk in a second before I forget to finish about this movie. What was the greatest one? This movie, I watched this movie. At the the last one is Harvey Keitel in it. And he gets his he's a photographer for like crime scenes and stuff. And then he gets this black cat. And there's a thing in there where he's choking the cat and taking pictures trying to kill the cat and then the pictures are released and they're like were you did you kill a cat and then he puts out a book and everything and it's weird and then he he ends up like killing his girlfriend that he lives with and it's a cool thing of argento does 
where she puts her hand up while he's trying to hit her with a straight razor and it cuts into her hand where, you know, it's all prosthetic stuff. So it's real in camera. Like you're like, holy shit. Like I was like, oh, but it was that thing where I'm watching. I'm like, Adrian Barbo. Okay. And then the next one started and I'm like, is this going to be good? And when it got through the Harvey Keitel stuff and at the end, I was like, oh my God, that's, I love it. Like, this is great. I give it three and a half stars. Um, so it was good. Um, have you watched anything recently that you would like to share? Yes, I've been doing a lot of uh, tapings and other things. So I haven't watched uh, a lot. But what I did watch in preparation for some movie clubs that I'm doing with Eric from Cine- Cinema Force, of course, mm-hmm. you know, and listeners know from previous episodes, such as Life Force. Yep. 52 Pickup, I watched again. I love that movie. It, it's one of, I, I say one of my favorites a lot, but it, the, I love it. And I, yeah. that's a movie, just like To Live and Die in L.A., I tell people, don't read anything about it. Do not read the Amazon description. Yeah. A whole huge chunk of it will be ruined for you. Yeah. It, the atmosphere is amazing. It's so sleazy. John Glover is amazing. It's also Roy Scheider and Anne Margaret. So again, if you haven't seen it and you're hearing me talk about it, just yeah. take my word for it. It's on Amazon Prime right now for free if you have Prime. Yeah. Do not read the description and just hit play. You'll yeah. know within 10 minutes for sure yeah. if you like it or not. The other thing I watched was The Ambassador. J. Lee Thompson directed a film starring Rock Hudson and Robert Mitchum mm-hmm. and Ellen Burstyn, who surprisingly gets very naked in it. Oh, wow interesting okay it's a canon film yeah and it it was supposed to be based on 52 pickup there's one scene that's even remotely related <laughs> to some aspect of 52 pickup but then golan and globus got frankenheimer to direct the actual uh adaptation of 52 pickup and it's wonderful other than that i don't know what i've watched except for paradise alley in the last yeah, yeah, uh, 10 days go. that's like yeah. me too i had to dig back in something i'm like I don't have a movie of the week because we're recording a little early, earlier in the week. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll put this up. Um, but yeah, speaking of Jay Lee Thompson, Paul Rollins, who's going to be on the next episode, which I'll tell you what's coming in a minute, but he's been going through a Jay Lee Thompson month. So he's on like number 26 or 27 of watching all these Jay Lee Thompson movies. And one that he showed me was Tiger Bay with Haley mm-hmm. Mills first film. She's fucking phenomenal in it acting with her father and you're like this girl's never acted before like what the fuck she's amazing like 12 or something in it It it's really cool she like witnesses a murder and then like you know falls in love with the murder guy it's oh it's really cool well there's there's also a couple other movies i want to give in a Leon the professional kind of way. Sure, of course. Of yeah. course. Never never yeah. inappropriate. Yeah. A couple of movies I want to give special mention to. We already did before Legend of Billy Jean. I am thrilled. Uh so my partner Ada and our son will be in town next week for a month. And so we get to have our um belated Valentine's Day birthday celebration. My birthday's Valentine's Day. And they were in London at New Beverly seeing ladies and gentlemen, the fabulous stains. I can't believe I get to see a print of that because it, wow. it barely got released. Yeah. That and Legend of Billy Jean, it's a perfect twofer. And I did a movie wow. club on Legend of Billy Jean. So anyone listening who's interested in that, go to Craig and Friends on the Spotify, the Apple Podcasts, et cetera, and uh, check it out. Subscribe. I know you already are, but, you know. And um, the other movie that I was going to say, I completely forgot. Mm-hmm. Completely forgot. It'll come back in a minute, maybe. You're having a, we call it a Paul Williams moment. Um, yes. 
the um oh that's it ishtar if oh. you haven't seen ishtar oh, go, go watch it it's on tubi that's the when one i, I saw say. that in theater i loved it i was like oh my god the the map is inside the jacket or whatever it was i was like that's genius like nobody thought of that and then people are like that movie sucks same thing with hudson hawk i'm like i like hudson hawk um well, well ishtar people who didn't see it so they didn't like it yeah 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 it was one of the i think same thing happens with a lot of movies where people just don't see it and they're like oh the same thing with like we said earlier citizen kane where hearst is like no and the thing behind citizen kane is it was maybe a little bit of hearst but the thing was not marion davies orson wells was writing about this opera singer whose faint whose husband who was rich bought her a whole opera house and would have her perform and she saw oh, wow and yeah. he was like you just had to be like well it's a opera yeah it's good but it was horrible <laughs> and so he put that in but then everybody thought that they were picking on marion davies and it's like no this was hearst this was this other girl and you know kind of mixed in I did a, I might release it somewhere. You were telling me about releasing all on my old podcast. I put Susan Kane with Mank and I did, mm. and it was all by myself. And I did this whole behind the scenes thing. So I read the whole Pauline Kale 500 word thing. And then uh, Bogdanovich is back up to that of like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Anyway, it's really good. So maybe well, I, I like, I like when people would fight with uh, Pauline Kale. I have yeah. to say a lot of movies that I love, I think her reviews are ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't well, read them in long form. I haven't read all of them, uh, but her review of looking for Mr. Goodbar, I thought you have ne you didn't you got nowhere near the point of this movie. But that's the fun of uh, conjecture and opinion and uh, I, criticism. I don't and, know. And if of you... course, I just want to mention. I want to mention a movie that if you can find it somewhere, watch it because it is a jaw dropper. It's called He's My Girl, and it's uh, it, this fella is from Doctor Detroit. I'm forgetting his name at the moment. T.K. Carter, and oh, then this. Oh, I love is... T.K. He's also in. Um... Seems like old times. That's right, he is. And then this guy, the blonde guy, is David Halliday, a guy who can't really speak English that well. He's a French pop singer, the son of Bill. Uh, oh, what's his name? Johnny Halliday, the Elvis of France. Uh -huh. And it was a Scotty Brothers production, uh, the folks who put out the Survivor records, because um, Halliday's mother was in a relationship with Tony Scotty. So, uh, wow. best. Uh, and David, this is interesting. There's actually a reunion of two actors from The Thing in it. David Clennon and T.K. Carter. Oh, wow. From The Thing to He's My Girl. Right, so, yeah. yeah. I don't want to spoil the plot. It's a barrel of laughs. You can't really find it on streaming services, but I might be uploading it soon because I have the original VHS. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, I'll have to uh, definitely find that. Um, yeah, I have Dr. Detroit on DVD over there somewhere. Um, it's the best. I was showing Rob the other day. I was like, Rob, have you heard this? He's like, no. I go, it's fucking Dan Aykroyd switches a jacket. You know, it's nah. it's amazing. Yeah. I want to do that for Halloween. Sadly, the one screening I was so bummed I missed at New Beverly. They did Dr. Detroit at a midnight. The Michael Pressman, the director, showed up. And oh. in the audience was T.K. Carter. So he came up. He brought oh. a bunch of friends. And I was literally in Detroit that night. So I yeah. couldn't see Dr. Oh. Detroit. Ah, uh, but there's your... been so many wonderful nights at the New Beverly, including meeting you there, and this has been wonderful. I look forward to doing it again and doing a movie club with you. For yes, for sure. For your Doctor Detroit outfit, you should also have a thing where you're standing on like, like how he wrecked through the thing, like the hook. Yeah, the big. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, hello, hello, ma'am. Yeah. Oh, so good. And you know she's from. Uh, uh, what did we just watch? Oh, uh, um, Switchblade Sisters. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Um, I just wish but, they made Dr. Detroit 2 The Wrath of Mom because they promised I know, it. I know. It's got it there. She passed away, but I'm like, come on. They made a like, script. There was a script. There was a full that's, script. That's one, too. I haven't read the script. I would like to. I should find it. Um, that's one where Dan Aykroyd is like, you know, they're high on coke and they're like, let's go make. And that's another one where the trail, the teaser for that is him walking around the lot being like, we have a new movie. It's called Dr. Detroit. And he's dressed like a scientist. And you're like, what the hell? Yeah. That's yeah. a great trailer. Also, the theme song by Devo is great. There's all these songs written expressly for the movie. If you don't have the soundtrack, I recommend yeah. getting it. It's on and Boardwalk it's, Records. And it's and it's got, I think that's the one, because we did that in Night Shift together. But I think the black girl. From I love Night Pat, Shift. I think the black girl from Dr. Detroit was the one in the Thriller video. Or was it the girl from? Night oh, Shift? Uh, I can't remember her name, but maybe. And Fran Drescher isn't Fran one of the in there. of yeah. the harem, and, and so is Donna, Donna Dixon, Dixon, and that's where Donna Dixon met Dan Aykroyd. That's I fell in love with Donna Dixon on Bosom Buddies. Oh, so. And sad. she was dating Paul Stanley at the time that she met uh, Dan Aykroyd. Paul but, Stanley. Hey. the way Paul Stanley talks annoys me. He was on that Return of Bruno that Bruce Willis did, and he was talking about <laughs> you know how uh, if you ever seen have you seen Return of Bruno. I have the VHS. I've not. It's like a, mocu it's a it mockumentary yet. of like Elton John being like, you know, I did. Uh, I was doing. He said, why don't you do um, lady? Why don't you do Bruno and the Jets? And I said, no, no, you're crazy. I'm going to do Benny and the Jets. And um, and then him with the temptations. It was so much where my buddy at the time when we saw it on HBO and we recorded it, my buddy goes, is that real? Because he's at Woodstock <laughs> singing Youngblood with long hair. And it's filmed yeah. like from a low angle. So you see this guy, it's, you know, old. So it looks like he goes, was he really? I go, no, he's like this old, like shows him in the American bandstand with a band. And uh, I'm going to have to watch it because I mean, I love the concept of it. Uh, you know, he, that's a guy who got way too into the idea. I can really sing. Yeah. Nah, Bruce, you really can't. Yeah. yeah. But um, I, I have with that, I will, I will leave with one uh, with one other title. Okay. Uh, the video album for Don Johnson's Heartbeat. I got it on Laserdisc. It is uh, a moment of um, a guy being so full of you're, thoughts. You're a little younger than me, but do you remember, but you're a big Miami Vice fan. Do you remember at night they played that movie with his music, you know, it was like the heartbeat. It was like a video movie album or yeah. Yeah. It's but a video album. It. It's yeah. like, and they played it on NBC or wherever it was like, Oh my I God, that's right. They did. It. They it did. Like, it was like oh a big God. deal. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Like yeah. people don't remember. Well, the younger people, you and I remember Madonna did um, like a prayer and they had, it was a whole thing, Pepsi commercial. And then they played the oh, whole yeah. video like at yeah. night. Like, and then the controversy came out. Those ads got ganked. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that was that. Exactly. But come back next week on March 8th, when I will be joined once again by Paul Rollins from Money Into Light for. right from 1971 it's the devils the plot in 17th century france father urbane grandier's protection of the city of Loudun uh, from the corrupt cardinal rochelieu is undermined by a sexually repressed nun's accusation of witchcraft so pardon me for just a second no problem i have not seen this movie 
Paul has. And Paul was like, do you want to do that? And I'm like, I got to find if Quentin liked it. Quentin does like it. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And he did a whole thing of, uh, he, that's another one. He went through all the Ken Russell movies. So I was like, okay. I said, I'll watch that. And what's interesting, that new trailer that came out with Sydney Sweeney, Immaculation, Immaculate, you know, the conception, you know, she's a nun. Okay. Yeah. It reminds me of that, the way that trailer is with this one's a little weirder. Ken Russell, like with his crazy, you know, stuff. By the way, which version do you have? Because I have the most complete one that you can find. So that that's the one i recommend because there's like dvds that say full it's not the best transfer it's like all that stuff i have a really good high def well it's at least 720 copy right i think criterion had whatever they the channel criterion channel has i think they have it but um, okay cool uh, but you can send it to me if you want but i'll uh, check on it but and you know him i don't know if you listen to um we're talking about pauline kale but did you listen to the Carrie or the Fury episode that we did? Yeah. The she writes about the Fury like she's gonna orgasm, like she's furiously writing like how sexy and how fun it was. And the Fury, I had a hell of a time with. God, that was fun. But I love that movie. Paul, Mother Paul Knuckles goes, is the only bit that I'm like, well, I. But uh, Kirk Douglas yeah. talking to her like, yes, thank you, Mother Knuckles. I have to say, <laughs> one Brian De Palma film that's not talked about enough is uh, Home Movies. I have not seen his stuff before Sisters and uh, Phantom of the Paradise I've seen, but before like Green well, no, Home Movies, Mom. Home Movies oh, Home is movies right was... after, the, is after the Fury. It was made at oh. Sarah Lawrence College because he went there for film. So he went back right. and taught a class. And what they did was they made a movie. So oh, wow. Kirk Douglas is in it, and it's one of the greatest things. You have to see Kirk Douglas in home movies. I don't want to spoil it at all. Yeah. It's surreal. It's great. Keith Gordon is in it. It's wow. even more about De Palma's family, kind of, because, you know, the whole weird thing with his family, he spied on his dad yeah, to get yeah. proof that the dad was cheating. Dressed you see elements of that in, in uh, Dress to Kill and yeah, all that and blow out to a degree. Yeah. Uh, but home movies is great, and there's a bit that doesn't age that well in it, but it's That's great. Nancy cool. Allen, Garrett yeah. Graham. I mean, the hits yeah. just keep on coming. So if you, oh. if you can track that down, and if you can't get, track it down, let me know and I'll send it to you. All right. Yeah, I have to definitely keep up on that because I think I told you, but I'm not sure, but I'll end with this. Oh, here's a trailer for The Devils. The Devils Burn. An explosive film. Absolutely brilliant. ABC TV. Superbly frighteningly effective time magazine but of course i can prove nothing this mother superior may be little more than a hysterical nun exactly mere conjecture and what form does this incubus take the devils is not a film for everyone vanessa redgrave oliver reed in ken russell's film of the devils something that i was going to about movies like i think the first time that i and i talked about on the show but the first time that i saw body double i think i was like why am i feeling a little turned on what's going on like oh this movie is affecting me in a way and i definitely talked about on the show where you were talking about getting sick to the to the thing oh awesome french box set yeah the um the uh you were talking about uh feeling nauseous at panic in needle park the yeah 
when I watched the first time I got nauseous to a movie was Bone Tomahawk. I'm watching it at home and all of a sudden, like, why do I feel nauseous? I feel because like Craig S. Zoller did like three movies. So he did uh, Bone Tomahawk and then uh, Brawl on Cell Block 99 and then um, Dragged Across Concrete with Mel Gibson. And uh, they're really good. They're like gritty and brutal. He's like Tarantino in a way, but like real brutal. And so that at the end of Bone Tomahawk, I was like, why do I feel not? Oh, this movie's making me nauseous. I know, like, <laughs> never had that where I was like, I feel like I'm going to throw up. Like, And then me and the cousin did on my old podcast and I forgot to tell him like, oh, yeah. And then he was like, why didn't you warn me? I'm like, oh, shit, I'm sorry. Like, he was like, yeah, I was feeling like, oh, so. But anyway, where can people find you? On Instagram, Craig and Friends Pod at CRA. It's in the probably in the link to the episode description link. Yeah. Oh, and now then, it is. Uh, on, yes, thank you very much. And yeah. then, uh, you know, you can do hyperlinks now. In yeah. The thing. yeah, it's great, yeah. which is good. It's fairly new development. I was slow to it. And then on yeah. Twitter at Craig and Friends and on Facebook, um, we're working out the thing because it it's still the old name of the old podcast. It's very oh. difficult to change it there. But uh, I'm Craig McNeil on Facebook and where else youtube a new uh, back to youtube because the old episodes used to auto load to it then i changed distributors and then they didn't so now uh there's a bunch of audio only ones that are going to go back up there but now everything is being filmed so there's a whole slew of stuff on there like you can see me talking to paul williams you will see me talking to uh, a variety of people so yeah. uh, go check that out. Gala Avery on the movie club for Crimes of Passion, the video of which is yeah. coming soon and a whole bunch of stuff. So yeah, Craig and friends, look it up on YouTube, that sign was... up everywhere. And then that I was... have a Patreon page, which you'll find in those other places. That was a great one. Crimes of Passion. The, um, um, the Anthony Perkins. Amazing. Like, I'm like, why didn't you? Oh, the movie clubs. Thank that? you. Like, um, yeah, it was good. And then also the um, the stuff, though, of you talking to these performers and, you know, either musicians or just performers of like you were talking to Stephen Trask and he's talking about oh, yeah. when he before he came out, when he was feeling like oh, maybe I'll just kill myself, I guess. Like and it's like, holy shit, like things that you that just like we talked about here, like you can either persevere or you can just curl up in a ball and be like, I guess there's nothing. Or if you have nobody, you know, you got to reach out to some people. I'm listening to a podcast right now about this killing that happened in Norway. It was these 77 people that the guy was just in his basement playing world of Warcraft all the time and not making any friends. And it's like, you got to yeah. do something like, come on, like, you know, and yeah, you gotta get out your, there and find your love, find your passion. Yeah. Yeah, find your passion. That's the other thing. Uh this is like the thing about guilty pleasures people say with movies and music. None of that means anything. Uh it's bullshit. Yeah. And uh if you like, I don't know, wrestling movies that are very indistinct as to what they're about, just yeah. get into it. Go for yeah. it. You know, yeah. collecting stuff, whatever. Whatever you like, go headlong into it because there's a lot of misery in life. So you should make yourself as happy as possible and and, and learn. Whatever you like, get into it. Don't let anyone dissuade you. Just get I into to, it. I used to tell my friend, I said, oh, your guilty pleasure is Samurai Cop. And he goes, no, it's not a guilty pleasure. I like that movie. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, understood. Because, yeah, it's it's for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, it's I art. These, All of it is. Yeah, Joe, I collect. Oh, I ordered the Impulse 
um, on Grindhouse releasing, they're releasing Impulse, the William Shatner movie that I've never seen. Oh, nice. It's like yeah. crazy insane from 1974. So yeah. the other day I was like, I should get it. And Paul was like, dude, you'll never see William Shatner the same after you see this. I'm like, okay, I got to buy it. So I bought it. So it's coming. I had to miss it on Nubev. I got to go in a sec. But the other movie yes. I'd like to mention, okay. you mentioned Harvey Keitel We're before. It Is actually, yes. Yeah, there's a, I, I, yeah, I have to because I have to. Uh, we have my, my partners in London, so we have transatlantic breakfasts with our Dang son on. and everything. So, nice. and then I got to cut something. In. But patch me in, I'm ready. Oh yeah, yeah I'll just that'd yeah. be great. Yeah, this is a good way to meet. Uh, <laughs> two other movies because you mentioned Harvey Keitel. Yeah. One is the most one of the more disturbing films I've seen. It actually made me go, oh my god. And let me tell you something. It's with Art Garfunkel and Teresa Russell, and it's directed by Nick Rogue. It's called Bad Timing: A Sensual Obsession. Rank distributors uh, was a rank film was the distributor. They found it so uh, offensive that they pulled it from distribution and they apologize for distributing it. So it's very good. Leads me to another movie, White of the Eye, Donald Camel, his former collaborator. But the other one I really wanted to mention also with Harvey Keitel is Corrupt, a.k.a. Cop Killer, co-starring none other than Johnny Rotten. Wow. Italian film. uh, I think the score is by Ennio Morricone on Synthesizers. It's very interesting. It was briefly released on Blu-ray. It used to be the hardest thing to find. I had a copy taped off UHF when I was a kid. It's worth watching. It's very strange. Wow. If you like Kaitel, if you like any of that stuff, you got to see them together. It's yeah. insane. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you. I'll have to look those up now. Um, and thank Phil, you thank you so much us. for having me. Thank it's been a you. delight. Yes. I see. I should say that first. Thank you, Craig, for being on that. I'm trying to rush out so you can have breakfast. And so I can get back to my wife. She was like, I took my medicine. I need my oatmeal. And I'm like, <laughs> we're still recording. And she's like, you know, shake my head. Um, so um, thank you for being on. I can't wait to be on Movie Club. Everybody check out Craig and Friends podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope you had fun and maybe learned something about a movie that may have had a part in making Tarantino. And now we wrestle. Um, yes exactly we gotta yeah. we gotta go we just got the rain machine in and we put the lights on That's so right. see you oh. see you later okay.